I hate to go all technical on you, but all hands on deck, swirly thing alert! Attention! Listen, you motherfuckers. Buckle up, pedal heads. You're experiencing the Lotus Effect with Phoenix and Phone Boy. You are my podcast, my only podcast. So if you fucking take my podcast away, I'm going to shove my foot so far up your ass. Oh talking. my God. It's very creepy. Just a little weird. Maybe it'll catch on. Who knows? It is out of sheer morbid curiosity. I'm allowing this freak show to continue. How do you fix that, though? Take a big step back and literally suck my dick. Do I have your attention? Send your dick pics. <laughs> are you interested? I know you are because it's fuck or walk. You're shitting me. Have you made your decision for Christ? To tell you the truth, I don't give a shit. I would not say such things if I were you. Who the fuck are you? Phone Boy and Phoenix. I don't know Phone Boy. Those two are those two are pretty interesting to listen to. They're fucking nuts! But they don't know shit about fuck, clearly. You just can't trust them. Fuck you too! You're talking peak no agenda right there, everybody. That is so true. It is peak no agenda, and we don't know shit about fuck. You cannot trust us. But, you know, that's why we tell you it's the show that's made up with the content that doesn't matter. And, of course, I'm Phoenix. Let me start this off by clearly stating that I'm better than everyone. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, last I checked, um, I'm divorced. Now, wait a minute. I'm phone boy. So we finally met the man whose shit doesn't stink. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, I, I would say that that's not applicable, that you can't be phone boy because, and be the man who is divorced. But yes, as of two days ago, we can say that the two have merged into one. Yeah. Phone boy is officially mine, saith the phoenix. There you go. All right. And welcome to episode 68, y'all. Yeah, and uh, we do have a doozy of a uh, we have a clip to uh, to open things with here, and uh, you know this is uh, yeah we always start with something that's uh, that, that's uh, relevant to the topic at hand. The business model of the pharmaceutical industry is fraud. Yeah, I mean I don't know how else to describe it. Um, so we'll we'll tell you who that gentleman is, uh, and uh, yeah, well he clearly speaks the Queen's English. Uh, we'll tell we'll tell you about him in a moment, um, and we'll right. we'll highlight just a few of the ways that Big Pharma well runs the world, at least in part using something Phoenix is studying in school, which is statistics, or as I call it, sadistics. That's right. So um, anyway, um, but and, we'll- and that actually ties into the topic of our refire, which is. What was the subject you hated most in school? So shout that out to us, 253-237-3321. You can text it to us like Tigger did. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we're, we're, we'll get to that stuff in a little bit, though. That's uh, right. That's right. But I just wanted to give an extra plug because, you know, we, voicemails and text messages uh, have been down lately, as yeah. have boosts. Yeah, boosts. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, okay. So, anyway, we, we uh, yeah, well, let's let's talk about the boosts that we've received in the in the, in the and the Fiat Fun Coupon. So you can go to lotuseffect.show and find the We Like Money button on the front page, uh, and uh, that'll take you to PayPal, and you can set up a one-time donation or a monthly donation, uh, like Nam did. Nam sends a uh, $10 a month donation to us. Uh, uh, we appreciate that. Um, and I, I think I, I, I may have missed it last week, um, kind of, it may, or it came in like after we I was collecting the stuff for the show or whatever. So, right. um, But uh, we want to make sure we want to we want to get that. Uh, definitely want to say thank you. Okay. Yeah. And so because and then, it does definitely keep. 
our little shit show on the air every Saturday. Yep. It provides us with the ability for me to give out cards to garner listeners because, as you know, we don't take any shill shit around here. We are not platformed, so we can't be de-platformed. We're already off the rails. That's right. Um, and uh, yeah, we you know the, the things like the, the all the all these the fancy new domains that I re- we registered at the but uh, you know I don't know whatever it was a couple of, you know some uh, it's coming up a year on the, they changed the name Lotus Effect so all the domains related to Lotus Effect are of course oh uh, yeah we're getting tons of spam on that yeah well not only that we're getting and we, we're getting some feedback on it too which is great uh, but we but we also have uh, with our um, yeah, we also we're getting with our with our stuff. Uh, we're yeah. getting emails from listeners. I know we're getting. It's amazing. Yeah, but we're also getting boosts. Although most, of, uh-huh. although, although all the boosts were from you last time. So, um, but well, if- I, okay. So, in fairness, you can't have every single Studio Thirty Three be as lit as the one the week before last was. No, no. It was absolutely on fire until a late hour. Yeah. We were offending listeners. And peaking interests through the late hours. That's so. right. Yeah, we we were we were going. Uh, we went. We were going hard as a porn star. Hard, hard as a porn star. Yeah, that, that's. Uh, anyway, um, that, that we got. <laughs> that that's something I was I was I, I was getting my pen so that uh, you know so that I could start writing stuff down because you know that's part of what we do as we. That's as we, right. You as, know. as we stay stupid shit, as you stay stupid shit in the troll room, you go to Lotus Effect or or go to pound Lotus Effect on uh, on Zero Note IRC. Yeah, you can participate in the shit show live at uh, 4 p.m. Saturdays uh, on uh, Central Time. Uh, so in on, uh, you know, there you go, you go do that. And so if you, you say you say crazy shit, we cra- say crazy shit. I see it. I write it down as a potential show title. We we look at them later. You, we th- you call in with voicemails at 253-237-3321. And the transcript that Google provides, you could end up as a show title. That's right. So let me go, let me go read through the, 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 the boosts. Uh, so uh, you again, all of these are Phoenix boosts. Um, let's say uh, you boosted thirty three thirty three sats saying Nemo, you're not eating here tonight for Tabby. Yeah, and you played the wrong one. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, that's okay. Did, yeah, uh, Ma- the Mama Phoenix song thirty three thirty three sats. Actually, pretty much all of these are thirty three thirty three sats. Uh, In a God of Adida, or however you spell it. Yeah, um, I knew what you meant. Uh, Fall into me, Emerson Drive, uh, Kia, my neck, my back, two live crew, me so horny, uh, Humpty Dance, Digital Underground, uh, Pony, Genuine, and then your last boost. Of course, I've got to play this clip. This is a new live son of a bitch. Yeah, 10,000 sets and says, this is a new live son of a bitch. Let's light this celebration rocket. That's right, because we are celebrating the fact that this handsome man over here is finally free of that wicked bitch. Well, there you go. Yeah. So we got, yeah, we've got, oh yeah, we're getting, the voicemails are coming in. This is great. We love that. So um, in any case, if you do not have a, if you do not have a podcast, I need to get the lit tag going. That's a whole different thing. You really do. I think I'm going to have to start withholding sex if you don't get your damn chores done, phone boy. You know, Anyway, we're not going. We're uh-huh. not going. Breaking we're, the balls, breaking the, the balls. Yeah, it's well, already started. It's yeah, it started before this thing began. Um, That's so, true. if you want to get in, if you want to get in part of this Boostergram party, if you want to stream a sats while you're listening, yeah, get a, get it. You know, take off all your clothes and go to nudepodcastapps.com and then go find yourself one that does. Uh, we like Fountain. Uh, you know, Podverse is also good. There's 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 several others, but yeah, CurioCaster. Yeah, CurioCaster, that kind of thing. So we got all kinds of great stuff. So. Um, 
And we yeah. have great listeners, too. We, we adore our yeah, pedal so, each uh, and every one of you. Just to remind you guys, yeah, there's lots of ways to send us feedback. You can send us a message on No Agenda Social, which has happened before. Uh, uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm there as phone boy. Phoenix, I'm not even going to try and say what hers is. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, have it, I have it on my profile, so if you really want to really, really, really talk to her instead of me or both of us, whatever, that's a, you, we, we, tend, we tend to post together, so uh, we'll find it. Um, and can, remember, there is the emails. Yeah, you can send us an email at phoneboy at lotuseffect.show or phoenix at Lotus Effect that show, um, and, and yeah. we actually had a listener that did send an email. Yeah, to it, me exactly. Um, it was amazing. But if you are gonna, but if you are gonna, but yeah, and you can also remember call and text two five three two three seven three three two one. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingy. Yeah, Ernestine isn't standing by, sadly, but uh, Google Voices, and of course, you know, we'll, she'll mangle your transcript. Um, now, and when you, you will do, end up as a show title. Yeah. It has happened. It has happened. Now, when you do call in, we'd love it if you could sound off on this week's refire topic. What's your least favorite topic in school? Of course, you can also sound off on past refire topics, or frankly, anything else. Uh, we play these voicemails during the Toast and Jam segment of, of our show. And you know, however you all send us feedback, just don't do the following. We don't want your shit. Please, Please don't, don't send, send us your shit. shit. Yep, we don't want your blankets. We don't need your water. Just send cash. That's right, or your satoshis. If you if you if you don't yes. like your satoshis, please yeah, please please uh, give them to us. We'll we'll take them for you. If your satoshis are offending you, we will take them off your hands. We are a charity organization like that. Yes, exactly. And um, and if you like being as uh, debaucherous as we do, you obviously know how it works in Studio Thirty Three. If you splash the walls with satoshis, you're request gets moved up the list yeah, that's the way it works yeah so all right let's talk about the feedback we've received this week and so uh absolutely right before the show uh tigger uh, i recognize the number anyway uh she had te- she texted the message this was this was a actually you know what i might i might save that for the toast and jam i thing. think you should save that for toast and yeah because that, that is actually a toast and jam, that is actually toast and jam material so let me go move that down to our toast and jam segment uh and uh you know make sure that it's there okay so um all right, and then, uh, but we got an email. We got an email from uh, Dame Jennifer Wieda, whom I haven't, and I don't think she's reached out to us. I didn't realize she was listening, which is which is cool. Is she? No, I and I had no idea who this person was, and it was actually me who received the email. So when I got it, I was I, I'm very aware since yeah. being with phone boy and since starting school not that i've gotten into any of the cyber aspect of my studies yeah just watching phone boy do what he does to pay the bills and just having casual behind the mic conversations with him i've learned to be very cautious and suspicious about anything that comes in electronically so if i get an email i will automatically ask him does this look authentic to you yeah, well, I think I think this is pretty authentic given the, the length of this email. This is and, very and, and, much, and, and, so. and I recognize the uh, the peerage. Um, and, and also, when when I look at a subject, you can I've pretty much gotten, you know, yeah. I've kind of gotten a little keen eyed, yeah. yeah, to whether something looks kind of fucked up, yeah. and I don't want to open it. Yeah. And so, long story short, yes, yeah. I opened this email, and it read as the following. Yeah. By, by, by the way, I, I want to I clarify something. This is not the D- the Dame Jennifer that does like a- animated no agenda. Uh, no, 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 no. This is this is a uh, another fine Dame. An- however, another fine Dame. Jennifer. Her uh, and, and it'll it, this look this comes up in her uh, in her in her email. She her husband uh, was the heavy metal historian. Uh, he passed away about two years ago. It's mentioned in this uh, in the, in this uh, feedback. So uh, it, it's not the That's same. Right. Dame, it's not the same Dame, Dame Jennifer 
that we met in Charleston um, uh, last year. And, and yeah, that, it, it's, there's a, yeah, I guess there's another, there might be another meetup coming up. Uh, That's what I'm hearing in yeah. Nashville, another uh, yeah. roller rink uh, goobers or whatever. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's going to be a big damn ordeal. The pod father and the pod mother are going to be there. Very excited about that. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. Would you like to read the, would you like to read the feedback since it was sent to you? I, I absolutely would. Okay. So it reads as the following. Hi, Phoenix and Phone Boy. During the first two years after my husband died, I would have frequent dreams that featured him. At first, I think it was my brain processing the trauma of the loss because he appeared zombie-like in appearance. And I would ask him, how can you be here? You died. He never spoke when he was zombie Greg. But I could tell he wanted to and couldn't. <clears throat> Gradually, my dreams of him became more lifelike in terms of his appearance, and he began to speak. I remember the first conversation we had in the dreamscape was me asking him what happened and him telling me everything just stopped. It didn't hurt. I fell asleep, and then I was here. There were many more intensely vivid dreams about him and each one I would wake up and smell his cologne in the room the last dream about him was just him standing back in a field with our lasso opso that I'd just had to put down <clears throat> running around like a puppy yipping happily and chasing bugs he waved at me and the dream ended wow Sorry. That's, yeah well, that does happen um I'll, I'll continue here for a second. Uh, Relucid dreams. My most intense, vivid dreams, aside from those about my husband, are ones which I'm flying. More frequently, though, I'll be dreaming, then become aware that I'm dreaming and try to wake myself up. There are two wake-up triggers I've developed. Number one, garbled text or numbers. If I'm trying to read something or do math, the words are just random letters, groups, and the math keeps coming out differently because the digits transpose. Number two, needing to use the toilet. I have not dreamed of using the facilities and peed the bed in real life. I'm at the age where I pee when I cough, though, so it may just be a matter of time. <laughs> Instead, I'll be desperately searching for a usable toilet but can't find one because they're broken or filthy or have no privacy stalls. I'll wake up from these dreams and have to run to the bathroom because I've got to go so badly. Um, the first one will bring me straight out of a lucid dream and slamming back into my body, which is really disappointing. Waking up to the second trigger is always a, whew, I dodged that bullet feeling. <laughs> Anyway, I'm really enjoying the live show. Thank you for having such an intriguing topic. Warmest regards, Dame Jennifer Wieda. Yes. Thank you for thank you for sending that down. I really we really do uh, appreciate that. Yes, um, absolutely. We always appreciate when listeners share yeah. pieces of their personal lives with us. Yeah. It really gives us a, a warm connection that we feel like we may actually be making a difference. Yeah. So, and and I, I'll tell you that I've had I've never had the going to the toilet dream, but I've had the uh, the garbled text or numbers in, in dreams. So when, that's when, interesting. Yeah, I think there's something to that. It's a, it's a, because yeah, your 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 that's a detail that your brain might have a difficult time, you know, I don't know, creating or whatever. It's a, it's a, it's you know, unless unless it's about the text itself, it's kind of a, you know, it's, right. it's just, you know, that it's just a background detail. So, um but yeah, that's a, that's a real interesting uh yeah, that it, it's you know, knowing when to wake up. I yeah, well, yeah, see the problem is I wake up yeah, my my sleep has not been great lately. So, um although hopefully with things that have happened recently yeah hopefully that will be i will have less issues sleeping but it'd be nice it'd be nice but unfortunately with work and everything yeah it's been kind of a thing so um 
So the other so the other piece of feedback that we got to, to start with is we got a text message from Weirdo, and he said he bought a, bought off of Amazon with EBT as a picture. I'll put it in the show notes. It's all it's not all hot dogs and ramen these days. There's potential for healthy eating, but you have to want it. And the the picture is a fabric raised garden bed that's three cubic feet and two organic mushroom grow kits. And he got these off of Amazon, like Phone Boy said. I just think this is absolutely fascinating, and I'm actually considering grabbing a couple of those fabric-raised garden beds and putting them out on our back patio when the weather gets warmer and see if we can't maybe grow some tomatoes or peppers or something yummalicious. Why not? I don't see what's going on or anything bad about that. Yeah, mushrooms are also good, but, uh, you know. Yeah, but I'm not going to lie. I would so much rather just kind of be lazy and go to Costco and buy a flat of mushrooms like I recently did and prepare them and put them in jars so that whenever we want mushrooms, we don't have to worry about not being able to get them off of the store shelves or them costing an epic ass ton of money like everything else does. Well, hopefully when... And they're a lot healthier because you don't know what the hell's in those aluminum cans and all that shit. Those mushrooms have nothing but a little bit of kosher salt and water well well i hope that maybe we'll maybe um this year once since we since we know that we have uh, farmers at the farmer's market and yes yes we do yeah um we will maybe we will buy some mushrooms from uh from phil or one of the other uh, folks out there you yeah know. he's got some really good oh his oh my god his mushrooms are so tender yes they're 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 fantastic those so. are definitely great for a yeah that's right a fresh yeah. mushroom <laughs> yeah and, and i know billy bones works for a, 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 a um I, I, an extraterrestrial fungus i think is what it is and in, in Knoxville, um, that's I'm it. still. Tr- I I almost feel like I know where that is. Yet at the same point in time, I can't put my finger on it. There is a mushroom kind of place over by like Island Home Avenue or down. It's I don't know. It's off James White Parkway. It's it's not in a really good part of Knoxville. It kind of skews me out. But anyways, I'm just afraid of all of Knoxville. I. Fucking hate that city. Well, and you, yeah, and you, you go into it all the time. Yeah, we'll have, we'll have to, we got we got to talk about that. Uh, yeah, Jeff well, Jim, but it's all good. Yeah, it, you know what? It's starting <clears throat> with a lot of hard work. Yeah. It is actually starting to be worth it and pay the bills because it's not only a financial thing. I got some boots on the ground from a rider. This yep. week, which okay. we'll talk about in the Toast and Jam, that actually, I run, the, the universe has been doing wild shit. Remember last week how Tabby had that dream, yep. and we were doing dreams, she didn't know what the show was about, and then I have this writer this week that I don't even talk about my show with him, and he's telling me about some vaccine shit that's wicked relevant to the topic. Yes. I, so- the universe is just absolutely raining down on us such a good wonderful fortune i don't know what we did but i just want to take a moment and recognize the universe yep. for being absolutely amazing to us yes um and in fact the the yeah the 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 origin story for the for this topic this week was um i had fired up a pod and and you know i used to listen to podcasts all the time i used to have i used to subscribe to maybe 50 podcasts and of course you know back you know back um when i was traveling all the time and and really was trying to avoid stuff at home i was you know i was i was easily listening to 20 30 hours a week of podcasts now granted it was at 1.5 speed but yeah and now since 
you know, since my life got turned upside down, I really, the, the, the amount of podcasts I listen to now is pretty minimal. Um, but, um, so I'd pared down, I, I've pared down significantly. And even now I don't listen to every episode of things, but I happen to save this episode cause I saw it. And it was, it, it was a podcast that was issued back in November, um, uh, it's, and it was the um, it was actually the uh, the, the P Human podcast uh, that Brian Sanders does, and uh, you know, and I saw that, and I, and I saw this topic, and I I saw who it was who was who was talking about it. And it was uh, Doctor uh, Asim Maholtra. Uh, he's an NHS trained consultant cardiologist and visiting professor of evidence based medicine, uh, Bayana School of Medicine and Public Health, Salvador, Brazil, and he's a world renowned expert in the prevention, diagnosis, and management of heart disease. He's an honorary council member to the Metabolic Psychiatric Clinic at Stanford University School of Medicine in California, and is a cardiology MSc examiner at the University of Hertfordshire, uh, UK. He's a founding member of the Action on Sugar and was a lead campaigner highlighting the harm caused by excess sugar consumption in the United Kingdom, particularly its role in type 2 diabetes and obesity. Now, um, the reason I flagged this is because yes, I was familiar with his work because uh, uh, when I was doing, you know, when I was uh, digging into the, you know, all the health stuff, uh, he was one of the doctors I came across. And anytime he actually uh, did anything, um, you know, he, yeah, his his stuff's always uh, well reasoned and and you know, and it turns out he's actually not that much older. Or he was actually not. He's a little. He's basically our age. I mean, that's a, that's that's kind of an interesting. You know, um, and this, this guy sounds like he's going to have a long career. Um, but um, I, I actually, but in it. And I thought just to kind of highlight that, and because we talked, we covered this topic a couple of weeks ago, or you know, in the last couple of weeks. I thought this quote that I pulled um, from the or from the, this clip that I pulled from the podcast that had nothing, to, it didn't have anything to do with the with um, with the topic of vaccines and statistics or whatever. But it was a he's talking about you know how to fix the you know, you know improve our health, and this is a you know and, and you know he he actually uses uh, uh, cigarettes you know because uh, that's a, that is a that is a, a very deadly uh, thing if you if you if you smoke cigarettes on a regular basis. I think it's I think pretty much everybody knows that yeah that you know the the, the risk ratios are really high it's like you know your your risk of getting heart disease is you know or, or you know a heart attack or something is you know is pretty substantial if you're if you're smoking two bags a day um so um anyway but he so so he he talks about this and he talks about it in terms of the food system so we'll play this clip when you look at tobacco control you know the u.s was one of the pioneers in the world in tobacco control one of the first countries in the world to introduce public smoking bans as a cardiologist, I can tell you, when you look at the decline in death rates from heart attacks since the 70s, people dying from heart attacks, the single biggest factor responsible for 50% of the decline in death rates was reduction in smoking. And the single biggest intervention? Taxing cigarettes. Right? In public health, we call this the three A's. You address the availability, the affordability, and the acceptability. Public health education campaigns are really important. Of course, we need to educate people, right? But it has to be backed up with policy changes that, for example, with the food environment, make healthy foods more affordable and make junk foods less affordable, right? You shift it in the population. You improve the... It's really important because that cannot happen. We will never be able to combat the obesity epidemic on a population level until we have regulations introduced that curb the excesses of the food industry that are producing these ultra-processed addictive foods. Now, of course, the problem with this with this theory is that the that the uh, the government is basically funding the uh, the um, I don't know they're fun they're funding all of the uh, the food that's really bad for us and telling us that that's the food that we should eat. So. Um, yeah, the problem's even worse than he talks about there. But I mean, he is right in a sense that you, you, this is and this is just a sort of a standard thing when you're building habits, right? Is that and they're literally making it so expensive that you can't afford anything but the shit food that they're producing. Yeah. So 
I think you know. I think this is um, you know what we're you know in, in in getting into this. It's just it's just yeah. We know yeah. There's just so many vested interests that are controlling what the food system is, right? Um, you know, in governments and that kind of thing. It's like yeah. As, 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 as much as that would be a solution to the problem, it's um, yeah, that's probably never going to happen because uh, yeah, the the system is doing exactly the opposite of that. It's, because people, because let's face it, people, you know, there's. I mean, there's lots of economic reasons that people are, you know, people can only aff- you know, afford so much for food. It's because it's they, but they they make the stuff that's going to kill you much more, uh, much cheaper. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Uh, I saw a meme on Naz today that had a guy saying something about, oh, I must be getting stronger. I'm able to haul three hundred dollars worth of groceries in one trip. And he's got like four bags. Yeah. Exactly, which, yeah, I mean, three hundred dollars—that's what we spend at, at at Costco on cheese. Hey, now, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm fighting words. I'm not complaining. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just merely pointing it oh, out. Oh no, we get some tits cheese. I will tell you what that Scotch whiskey that, cheddar uh, is on fucking yeah. point. Yeah. Now, what's interesting about uh, Doctor Maholtra is that yeah. So at the very beginning of this, yeah, you know, at the very beginning of this COVID. Um, you know the the, the COVID nineteen eighty four situation. Um, you know he it, it, so he came out initially saying, yeah, I should probably take the vaccines, but you know, the, and and you know, I got a clip that that, sh- that says you know kind of why he did it, but it's um it's just kind of you know so you know he was kind of he was assuming that well you know vaccines are you know they're generally our safest thing, and this is this is his this is how he sort of explained it. I could not conceive of the possibility of a vaccine causing any kind of harm, certainly not harm to the heart. So I was uh, one of the first to take the vaccine in January 2021. Really I helped out in the vaccine center. I, I wasn't worried about my risk. I was in my early 40s. I knew I, my risk wasn't high. You know, I was, as Brian knows, I was a big advocate during the whole of the pandemic to highlight the link between obesity and, and COVID, for example. But I understood those statistics about the risk. But I was taking it because, as, as I've done with many other vaccines, right, is to protect my patients. I believe I was doing it to protect them. I had a lot of patient interaction. I thought if I take this vaccine, it has some efficacy. I'm going to prevent transmission. Yeah. Now, once he dug into the um, once he dug into the science, you know, obviously as more of the science came out, um, he realized just how misrepresented, um, you know, the, the, all the data was using the statistics and people's general ignorance on how to understand them. I mean, and, and you know what? So the you know again the origin story really. Was I was listening to this podcast and I heard the guy and I heard him talking about statistics, right? And I'm like, and talking about terms that uh, I was uh, Phoenix and I've been we dis- been discussing over the last couple of weeks, uh, you know, as part of her class, right? Because I've been helping her with her, um, you know, with with some of the stuff that's going on there. So yeah, I had my first official test. Yeah, and you did, and you did all right too. I, I mean, did. I was, I was kind of proud of myself. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, I pulled some gems. I mean, I was listening to this, and I'm just going, oh, you know, and I'm doing, and I'm pulling these clips. Last night, I was up till, you know, I was up till two in the morning. Well, I was, yeah, I, he's I, in my ear as I'm doing rideshare, and he's just, I mean, he's geeking out over these clips, which of course made me geek out. It made such an amazing night after finding out that he was finally free from that wicked bitch. Yeah. Like I said, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. Um, yeah, that's later. Yeah, that's later. So, um, so anyway, he, now he published a, so, um, this was an episode of uh, of uh, this was from an episode of Peak Human that was recorded, and it was actually based on a um, he he did he did a presentation um, and that uh, where he talked about uh, or he, he he talked about the findings from a two part paper he published in the Journal of Insulin Resistance called "Curing the Pandemic of Misinformation on COVID nineteen mRNA Vaccines Through Real Evidence Based Medicine." Well, and of course we'll have links in the show notes, and I rec- I recommend that you read through it. It's these you know it's about ten thousand words I think is what he said uh, in, in the. You 
appreciate it, but uh, it's it's definitely worth reading. We, we've got some really good clips here, and I, I there's so many more clips I could have pulled out of this, but you know the, this is going to be a long show, I think, anyway, because I've got oh think, very much so. Yeah, I've, I'm, I'm, I, I had pulled 35 clips for the show, just but I don't know, and I think we're playing most of them. So, um, well, so we like to give you listeners, you know, the the value that you came for. So don't forget. Yeah. If you're enjoying what you're listening to, give some of that value back. That's you know right. how. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So now, um, now it, it's it, you know it's interesting that he says you know that it, it, when when you're trying to get messages out right and you're trying to get it out to a wide population, yeah, you know that M5M thing that we all hate. Yeah, it's probably the best way to do it. Still, as an activist, you know, with when it comes to obesity or whatever else, if you want to change the system, the most important platform to get information out, which is about truth, about transparency, about exposing injustice, is still mainstream media. And GB News is a channel, I've done work with them and that kind of thing. And I went to them and I said to the, you know, I know Alexander Phillips, a presenter, I said, listen, this circulation paper, let's go on. I didn't tell them about the whistleblower stuff. I just did it spontaneously on air. And then it went viral. Yeah, he had enough knowledge to know that he probably shouldn't tell them what he's going to talk about before he actually talks about it. And that's, that's yeah, that that shows a bit of savvy that, uh, that Dr. Maholter has. Uh, and so now we're going to play a series of clips that describe in detail just how compromised the pharmaceutical uh, media, co- uh, medical media complex truly is. And in the second half of the show, we're actually going to dig into a drug that's gotten a lot of native ads and I mean, news stories. Um, and I, I think I believe it was showed up in I, I, I saw it show up in the no agenda. You know, I don't know, is the, sh- the show notes bot or something something this this uh, the uh, um a clip of this and i and i saw a lot of news stories on it i figured it's part there's probably something to it and uh and we'll we'll dig into a drug that's gotten a lot of, yeah i mean it's, so we're, we're talking about uh semaglutide which is also known by names like ozempic or or belsis we go we go or manjaro and some some of the stuff that we talk about in terms of statistics we're going to also we're going to apply to to this and also of course some of the you know do some media deconstruction along the way so um so strap in y'all we got a we, we got a we got a big we got a big topic here you're now, gonna love it you're gonna love it so now this is this is something I've gone on about in the past, right? When we when we start talking about um, you know when when we start talking about drugs, right? We talk about what's the you know what so they they're always talking about you know what the, 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 taking this drug will incre- will decrease your risk of you know whatever disease it is by you know a certain number of percent. Well, is that actually a meaningful statistic? In a lot of cases, it's not. So um, so we're gonna talk. So um, the, and and he and and, and Doctor Maholtra tells you the difference between relative risk and absolute risk and you know and, and it ex- explains it very well and i got it this is this is a long clip i might i might stop it along the way it's, and this this is a real key clip in, in terms of like because because if you're looking at you know how the different uh you know if you if you actually dig into the documentation on drugs yeah they're gonna you're gonna see these terms and you gotta know what they are you gotta know what they are and understand really what you're looking at and you kind of go well okay that's uh but it's kind of interesting uh, that they uh, they use your uh, lack of literacy on these terms uh kind of against you and they also there are many sorry they also um this was the clip that sprang the idea for this episode because of the fact we had literally just learned about relative versus absolute yeah that's right that's right yeah that's that's an important thing because i this was the first clip i went holy shit this we need to talk about this right there are many ways of presenting a benefit something called relative risk or absolute risk reduction also known as the numbers needed to treat the nnt If you communicate relative risks as opposed to using the absolute risk, it can lead lay people and doctors to overestimate the benefit of a medical intervention. So let me give you an example, and I can just, I'm happy to to talk you through this slowly if you don't get it, and it's fine. It's not rocket science. 
So if you look at data on use of statin drugs in people with type 2 diabetes, the randomized control trial data, looking at its benefit in preventing a stroke, for example, the data tells us, industry-sponsored data, okay, so lightly exaggerated, but let's just presume for now this is true, okay? The data tells us that if you take a statin for a type 2 diabetic over a four-year period, you are 48% less likely to have a stroke. Now, that sounds pretty impressive. Imagine a consultation. Do- patient comes to see me. Doctor, I'm not sure I'm type 2 diabetic. I've heard statins may help me prevent a stroke. I could say to the patient this, if you take this pill, you're 48% less likely to have a stroke. That sounds quite impressive, right? But what does the data actually tell us? What does it mean, 48% less likely? So if you look at the trial data, and the people taking the dummy pill, the placebo, who were followed up, a thousand people who were followed up over four years in that trial, 28 of them had a stroke over a four-year period, people that didn't take the statin. Of the people that did take the statin, right, it was reduced to 15 in a thousand. So instead of 28 in a thousand people having a stroke, 15 in a thousand people had a stroke, right? So you've reduced the risk by... In terms of absolute numbers, you've reduced 13 people out of 1,000 less have had a stroke. Okay, So the relative risk is 13 over 28 times 100, which is 48%. But the absolute risk, the actual true risk, is that you've reduced the risk by 1.3%. 13 over 1,000 is 1.3%. Another way of presenting that data, which is how I discuss things with patients, because most people can understand this, is it's 1 in 77. 1.3% is 1 in 77. So what we should be telling patients, I do this consistently in my practice, whether it comes to statin drugs or blood pressure pills, when that data is available, I say to the patient, if you take this pill religiously for the next four years, there's a 1 in 77 chance it will prevent you having a stroke. That also means there's a 76 out of 77 chance it's going to do nothing. But this is exactly how we should be telling you. This is ethical evidence-based medical practices. Yeah, and uh, seriously, like that's, you know, so they're they're taking the numbers and you know i mean they're 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 correct right in the sense of if you you know if you if you're yeah but they're manipulating yeah, they're, again it's it's what they, it's the headlines what they tell you and you have to really dig into these things and understand what you're looking at right um <clears throat> yeah and a lot of people don't yeah exactly a lot of people just don't understand the difference between the, the two so um well and you know, and, and honestly, you are not eating on Mike Phone Boy. I am, yes. No, sir. Party foul. You know, what's a party foul is what these, what these, uh, you know, again, just to high, just to sort of confirm what we just, what we just heard here, how they talk about risks and benefits uh, when they're talking about the drugs. If you look at samples from medical journal articles, they use mismatch framing. So they will, the results of the clinical trials will present the benefit and relative risk, but the harm and absolute risk. And in fact, a third of articles published in the BMJ, JAMA, and the Lancet between 2004 and 2006, and this is still ongoing, still a big, big, big issue, use mismatch framing. And this is extraordinary. This is not science. This is not medical science. This is marketing. So doctors and patients are getting exaggerated view of these medical interventions and a exaggerated view of the safety as well. Yeah, and I think that and, that, and yeah, and again, this is again, it's a marketing exercise, right? That's pretty he pretty much explained it. It's like and, and you know when you understand this, um, yeah, he talked and it's funny because he talks he the, the clip that I pulled the, 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 the that I that I played earlier at the very beginning of this. Um, this that that clip the, 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 you know, at the very start of the show. Um, yeah, he talks about the the business model of pharma. It's pretty clear that this is what it is. And Good Morning Britain went me to, asked me to go on Good Morning Britain to tackle vaccine hesitancy, and I didn't go there 
pointing the finger and saying these people are crazies. I said, listen, there are rational concerns for vaccine hesitancy. Look at the history of the drug industry. And I can't remember whether I said this on Good Morning Britain or on the BBC. I said the business model of the pharmaceutical industry is fraud. Right? I said that. I said, however, however, when you look at all the drugs that we prescribe, and I talked about this you know, third most common cause of death after heart disease and cancer, vaccines are still, no drug is completely safe, are still amongst the safest. And that's how I left it. Yeah, but and so he, he again, he's very savvy. When he's on media, he's very savvy. He knows the you know he he under, and if you listen to his his breakdown of this stuff, he knows exactly what's going on. So he's he's skating a very fine. He's you know he's still respectable enough that and, and not too crackpot enough that he's he's probably still able to get on to uh, some of you know some of the mainstream channels or whatever. But at the same time, yeah, because there was a lot of medical professionals that spoke out against this that were discredited you know people who had had articles published in medical journals were stripped of titles their articles were removed i mean people in high places went absolutely nuts on the people who dared to speak the truth of what was really going on that they didn't want you to know about yeah exactly so um this is yeah again you're uh, this it's just, it's just kind of funny how all you, know, you look into this and it's and it's kind of and it's actually this it gets even worse than that right i mean we're getting we're getting into some dark stuff folks um yeah this is and so um he had a so so Dr. Maholtra is very well connected. Also, he a lot of people uh, reach out to him about things, and he he had um, somebody reached out to him um, about the original data that Pfizer used to get approval, you know, or from the FDA. Right. Wait until you guys hear this. This is this is pretty. Yeah, this is a pretty bit. Uh, you know, this is it, it is this is this is some pretty scary stuff right here. In April, I went for a walk and met up with a friend of mine who's a very uh, respected cardiologist. I've worked with him for years. Probably one of the smartest cardiologists in the country. Very high scientific integrity uh, in his late 30s. And he said to me, he said, Asim, there's something I've got to tell you. And I said, what is it? And he goes, I've not had the vaccine. And I said, really? I said, tell me more. You know, I was curious. And he said, well, there's a couple of things. One is, I know this is a new technology. He said, I studied immunology in my in medical school. I know a lot of the people behind some of these new vaccines. I've been emailing them, asking questions. They've not really come back with anything um, that's reassuring to me. So I'm a little bit concerned. I'm not quite sure what's going to happen. Um, I don't have any evidence to go on to make this, but my intuition is I'd rather wait. But he said, something else concerns me. And I said, what's that? He said, I, the original trial from Pfizer that led to the approval of the Pfizer vaccine, right, published in the New England Journal of Medicine, and the rollout. He said, in the supplementary appendix, there are four cardiac arrests in the vaccine group, and there are what, there's one in the placebo. Now, he said, the small numbers, it could be coincidence, but if this is a real signal, we're going to have a problem. There's going to be a surge in cardiac arrests. He said this to me in April 2021. Yeah, and you heard that right. Yeah, you heard that right. And of course, uh, we know that uh, all the died suddenly, and you know, it's like, oh, we don't know why you're getting cardiac. Well, it's because they're not, you know. And he actually talked. He mentioned this. He said, you know, this is, and I, and the next clip kind of, kind of, kind of goes into it. He's because, because you know, he's he, he's very evidence based, right? This is, and 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 so he wants to see what the evidence is, right? What the numbers say, uh, rather than just uh, spout what you know. So like, dig into you know, to pr- you know, basically prove what the message is, and you know, when and so he didn't really start looking into this right away because um he assumed vaccines were safe you know for the most part well this is no ordinary vaccine as we've determined um and at first he thought well you know that and and it's and and there's there's an element to this right that 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 all of the all of these issues are coming from uh, stress and diet which we which you know we know that those things uh contribute to the to that 
A Times journalist calls me and says, Asim, I'm doing a report. There have been unexplained rise in heart attacks in hospitals in Scotland that have been reported. You know, you're a, an expert in this field around heart disease develops and all this kind of stuff. What do you think is going on? And I said, listen, to be honest, I could have predicted an increase in heart attacks even when the pandemic started because of lockdowns, right? Severe psychological stress is, a, is not good for the heart. Uh, we know from previous studies in war zones, even after wars have ended in various countries, Middle East, for example, there is an increase in heart attacks and strokes that goes on for several years afterwards, right? So a kind of countrywide or population severe stress can do this. So I, I expected there would be an increase. And also people's diets got worse. We were trying to, Brian was on this as well. We were trying to campaign to saying this is a time when COVID happened to get people's diets better, right? Because 90% of the deaths happened in countries from COVID and where 50% of the population over it would be. So we, but people's diets actually got worse when you look at the data. So I thought, okay, this may be the reason. And then she asked me about the vaccine. I said, oh, okay. Well, I said, listen, it would, I would be a very poor scientist to completely exclude the vaccine. I said, it's unlikely, right? But, you know, you can't completely exclude it. Yeah, which is, which is you know, any proper scientist should keep an open mind, right? And, you know, you follow the science. Well, you know, that, there's a clip I didn't pull where he talks about, yeah, when, you know, Fauci saying trust the science. Yeah, trust, the, you know, trust. Uh, well, actually, actually, what he really says, I'll, I'll wait till the end of the podcast because it, it, this because uh, it's a uh, because there's a great clip about uh, what, you know, what pharma really is. But, um, you know, this is uh, it, it is kind of, it, it's uh, yeah. Uh, it, but to exclude anything, you know, as a scientist, yeah, if you're talking, you know, the science isn't anything. The science is merely, you know. The science is the science. It's not and what you do about it is kind of up to you. But the science just, you know, again, you have to keep, keep an open mind. Right. And that's the problem is, is that, yeah, science these days is little more than propaganda. So uh, but uh, yeah, now he did. And, and so, of course, he did start digging into it. And, uh, you know, here's, uh, you know, again, uh, yeah, here's what he's here's what he found out. Two weeks later, the first thing that happened was Stephen Gundry, who's a cardiothoracic surgeon in the U.S., publishes a, 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 an abstract in the journal Circulation, which is the highest impact uh, cardiology journal in the world. And this is where I start thinking, okay, there's a problem here. So he was following up a number of patients. And what he did was he has a test called the Pulse Score, which are blood tests that show inflammation, markers of inflammation linked to the heart, which have been well validated and correlated with heart disease risk. So for example, and this is from his paper, he found within eight weeks of people, within two months of people having the mRNA vaccines, Pfizer or Moderna, in his patients, their risk went from 11% at five years, 11% risk of heart attack in five years as a baseline, jumped up to 25% in eight weeks after the vaccines. Now, that's a huge increase. As I told Tucker Carlson, I said, if I today decided I was going to start smoking 40 cigarettes a day, stop exercising, gorge on junk food, have poor sleep, stress myself out, I couldn't even get close to increasing my heart attack risk within eight weeks by doing that. Yeah, so more than 100%, you know, more than 100% of, uh, you know, raise in risk there. I mean, it's pretty, that's pretty substantial, you know. So, um, yeah, now, of course, this is, this gets, you know, again, this gets even darker, right? Um, yeah, they, um, you know, and again, um, you know, sometimes when you do research, you find things that you don't want to find. And, uh, yeah, you know, they just kind of uh, sweep it under so the rug. A week later, I get a phone call from a cardiologist at a very prestigious British institution. And he says to me, he says, Asim, there's something I've got to tell you. He's very upset. He explains to me that by accident, the cardiology researchers in this, in this institution, I won't name the institution, 
let's just say it's one of the most famous prestigious institutions in the world. So you can guess probably what I'm talking about. And he said that by accident, through coronary imaging studies, they had found in vaccinated versus unvaccinated huge coronary inflammation going on. In essence, people's cardiovascular risk going up massively, right? And he said they decided they're not going to publish their findings. They had a, a meeting. The chair of this group said, we're not going to publish this. What? Because it may affect our research funding from pharma, right? And he's upset. And I thought, okay, this isn't good. And in fact, only about two weeks earlier, the BMJ had also published a paper, which you may be familiar with, because it became the second most read paper in the BMJ. An investigative journalist called Paul Thacker, I've spoken to, basically got a Pfizer, a Pfizer whistleblower who's involved in Dallas in, one of the, in the original trial, basically found that there was a fraud going on. And she became a whistleblower, and, and I, I spoke to her, her name's Brooke Jackson, and she said it was really bizarre. She got fired from her job the same day when she reported it to the FDA. Two weeks later, I'm sure she doesn't mind me sharing this with you, two weeks later, she gets a phone call from a, a number that's withheld, and eventually ignores it, ignores it, and then answers it. And it's Pfizer's lawyer. And, she, and they knew her name, and she's like, hold on, this doesn't make sense. I've contacted the safety people at the FDA as an auditor in this trial, and Pfizer's lawyers calling me up. Yeah, which, uh, you know, of course, when you realize where they're getting their funding from, which I think I, think I have a clip about that later. Um, yeah, it's uh, pretty, it, it's not surprising. You know, and again, you, you follow just kind of where people from the FDA uh, come from and go to. It's not a surprise that. Um, yeah, but know, those of us who have been calling bullshit for how long are called conspiracy theorists. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, now um, there was and I didn't realize that I, I guess I, maybe I maybe this did come out and I'd forgotten about it. But um, yeah, so there so um, they were talking about they were talking about a having a vax mandate for people who work for the National Health Service in the UK. Um, right. And, you know, in, in, in uh, Dr. Maholtra is part of the, in the NHS. So uh, he, they, they, you know, he, he, he brought up some, st- you know, he at least said, you know, hey, let's, we should look at, you know, we're seeing, there's stuff we're seeing in the data. We should, before you mandate everybody take this, maybe you should at least take a look and make sure it's not going to kill people. Um, you know, they, might be an idea. Yeah, it might be an idea, but uh, yeah, they weren't all that interested in that. We've got bits of data. There's a signal here. This needs investigating. I want, you know, public health authorities, chief medical officer to investigate this, but it doesn't look good. And in this needs to be sorted out at the same time, interestingly, and this is when I thought things got very odd and suspicious. The secretary of state for health in the UK had made a statement in parliament saying, we are going to introduce a vaccine mandate for national health service staff, right? We've never mandated anything for NHS staff in, in the UK. I know in this country, things are a little bit more extreme, but I thought, hold on, this doesn't make... So I went on and said, listen, the first thing is also we, need, we can't let a mandate happen, right? We've now got a signal of potential harm. We need to think about this very carefully. Behind the scenes, after I did this, I got um, one very prestigious body that I'm affiliated with, I won't name them, got a number of anonymous complaints from doctors that Asim Malhotra is spreading, is um, bringing the medical profession into disrepute and your organization into disrepute by spreading anti-vax disinformation. Well, depends on what you consider the information. That's a, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a whole other thing. But uh, so, yeah, of course, the, you know, they tried to, yeah, you know, the, the the usual shut up slave kind of stuff that that gets you know that's getting said there. Um, but um, 
you know, and here's, you know, one of the things they taught, you know, they, they went through this whole sort of, uh, you know, with, with the vaccine, if you remember, they're saying, oh, it's going to prevent it from spreading. And they keep, they keep kind of backing off. And, you know, and, and here's what the actual statistics say about, uh, you know, whether whether the vaccines even uh, actually did their uh, prevented infection or really did anything. One of the first things going back to the absolute risk reduction was going back to the original Pfizer trial, right? What were the results of that trial that led to the approval of the vaccine in terms of what did they show? What many people didn't know, and I spoke to doctors in the UK on this and senior health policy positions that didn't even know this, is that the original trial, the gold standard evidence for the benefit of the vaccine, did not show any statistically significant reduction in COVID death, right? 40,000 people involved in that trial over a six-month period, they did not show any reduction in COVID death. They did not show any reduction in all-cause mortality. They showed a 95% relative risk reduction in infection. But when you look at it in, its, in detail, that was a 0.84% absolute risk reduction. If this is true, if this is true, you had to vaccinate 119 people to prevent one person getting infected with COVID from the ancestral strain. Now, with what we know now, I think it's likely this wasn't even true in the first place. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we're, we're, I've got another clip coming up on the number needed to treat. Right. And yeah. And that, yeah. So, again, I want to I want to repeat this because it's really important. One hundred and nineteen people have to take the jab for one person. One. Yeah. For one person. So, you know, that get, and, and it, it get, by the way, it gets worse, too. Now, uh, I'll point out another. There's another clip that uh, there's another clip that, you know, they, they, they talked about. Uh, I, I know for a long time, I mean, people were doing antibody tests, right, to determine to make the, to uh, to determine whether or not you had COVID or whatever. Or, or you know what's there. really sad is there are literally still people who, if your kid gets a sore throat, the sniffles, whatever, and I actually know someone like this, any kind of sign that they're getting a little bit sick, the first thing that they do is give them a COVID test. That is just sick. I- I'm sorry. You know, we we obviously no longer have the common cold or the flu. Everything's fucking COVID. I'm just saying. Well, not only that. Well, you know, COVID's more profitable. They covered that on no agenda a lot, right? Um, that's well. So- Water's wet too, phone boy. Yeah, that's not the yeah, point. Yeah, but yeah, these antibody tests. Yeah, they really don't do anything. I remember after taking the vaccine, I was with my dad at the beginning of 2021 and we were sent something by the government, an antibody test to test whether you've got antibodies. And I thought, because I was a bit skeptical about the efficacy of the vaccine at the beginning. I didn't think there was going to be harms, but I wasn't too sure about how beneficial it would be. And we tested positive for antibodies and I tweeted out saying the vaccine works great. There are antibodies, right? But these antibodies are essentially a useless what we call surrogate marker. The FDA in May 2021, this is online, you can look this up, they put out this statement. The US Food and Drug Administration is reminding the public and healthcare providers that results from currently authorized SARS-CoV-2 antibody tests should not be used to evaluate a person's level of immunity or protection from COVID-19 at any time, and especially after the person has received a COVID-19 vaccination. Couldn't make this up. They knew, they know. They know that it is unreliable. But this, right now with these bivalent boosters, they're just relying on mouse studies and antibody tests. It's, it's really bad science. It's terrible. They know it. 
Why do you think they put all those contingency laws in place that you couldn't sue and you couldn't bring litigation and all the dark shit? Yeah, well, yeah. If it, I mean, I think that was the first time people started getting sprinkling with that red pill that something yeah. might be afoot yeah, in this it, whole yeah, if it was, shit sham. If it was truly safe and effective, why, do, why does uh, Pfizer and Moderna need uh, uh, immunity from uh, from lawsuits and that kind of thing? That, 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 yeah. should, that should tell safe you. Safe for who and effective at what? Yeah, as, as I keep saying. Yeah, so now... I, I get, I get one more clip to play on the on the NNT for COVID nineteen vaccines and, and you know, that that one in one hundred nineteen number it's actually really worse than that. Broke the data down by age group here, and we looked at the Delta variant. Okay, last year, last summer, more lethal than what we've got now to try and give people a reasonable estimate of the benefit of the vaccine and preventing a COVID death, right? And this is what I'm going to tell you: if you're over eighty. You had to vaccinate 230 people to prevent one COVID death. 70 to 80, 520, 1300 under uh, under 70, and it gets bigger. What about Omicron, which is what right now we are still in this country and in many places around the world coercing people to taking the vaccine? What about Omicron? During the Omicron wave, right, mRNA vaccine specifically, you have to vaccinate 7,300 people over the age of 80 to prevent one COVID death. In other words, if a patient came to me through informed consent, I would say to him, if you take this vaccine, there's a one in 7,300 chance it's going to prevent you dying from COVID. And likely that's an exaggeration. 17,000, if you're between 70 and 80, you get younger and younger. We're talking, I mean, these are ridiculous figures. Ridiculous, right? If you're between 40 and 49, you have to vaccinate 167,000 people to prevent one person dying from COVID. I mean, in conclusion, essentially, it's non-existent. The benefit is non-existent. Yeah, exactly. And and I'm just kind of wondering, what uh, were the numbers if you didn't get the pokey jab that you were going to get COVID? I'll bet your ass that they were a lot lower than if you got jabbed. I bet they were. Now... Um, something I pulled out because because of course you know when when I and granted sometimes I do this at the last minute you know as far you know as far as pulling data for the for the podcast or whatever I went through last night and I started looking through some of the some of the filings with the FDA and that 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 that, uh, that Pfizer did right as far as you know, some of the data they've submitted over the last couple of years and don't forget y'all I did have one of these Pfizer shills in my ride and yeah. we did talk about the fact and he was completely bought in that what they were doing was saving lives and so great and it just it gave me a cold chill down my spine yeah well when i look at this okay so this is this is just an example and there's plenty i'm sure there's multiple examples of this um but this is a topic that you that you've that was covered in your uh in your statistics class right it's talking right. about statistical bias and so i pulled out a couple of tables here and i and i have them in our notes and and i'll li- i'll link in the show notes to what i uh, to the to the to the tranche of this stuff if you really want to look through it but um, it is actually quite interesting yeah. So, um, so the table. Okay. So let me let me read what it says. This is vaccine efficacy. First COVID nineteen occurrence from seven days after dose two by comorbidity status among participants without evidence of infection prior to seven days after dose two. Evaluate evaluable e- efficiency uh, seven days population. Now, of course, I don't know what they used with you know what their evidence was quote unquote. They're, they're without evidence. That's a whole different discussion. But let's just let's just look at the numbers here. So. 
Okay, so there's 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 two groups that they have here. They have a placebo group, and they have a they have a group that's taken the the dose of the the, the, the dose of the poison, right? And so the roughly the you know the n right, which is the number of people the number of people in the treatment group, right? They're they're roughly similar, right? So that you got um, you got eighteen thousand three hundred twenty five in the placebo group and eighteen thousand one hundred ninety eight in the control group. Now, um, now I look at this in this comorbidity group. So that so the overall in the placebo group, there's one hundred and sixty two people that have comorbidities, and they're you know they and they're broken down by um, any comorbidity, any malignancy, kind of you know the, it, it, all of the, the, the you know the, the, the varieties of things. Um, and when you look at the and you look at the the, the number of people, guess how many people are in the you know in the uh, they're taking the jab that have comorbidities that they list? Whole shit ton. Yeah, yeah, no, eight, eight people. I thought it was a whole lot of people. No, they have a in the placebo group. They have one hundred and sixty-two. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I got it backwards. I apologize. Yeah. I'm being dyslexic. So, so, yeah. And then they talk about the, you know, all, you know, the, the, uh, you know, the, fe- you know, the, the, um, you know, how effect, I guess how effective the, the primary efficacy endpoint, which I'm not even quite sure what that was. But again, the vaccines seem to, you know, the, the, plus, the, um, you know, it's like the effect. I don't know. It's just, it's just it, you look at this and you just kind of go. That's statistical bias. They they've put you know they put more people in the placebo group that had comorbidities, and of course they're going to be exactly they're, they're going to do worse, right? So um, yeah, first COVID nineteen occurrence after dose one, right? Um, yeah, well they, in the in the in the test group it's got they got fifty people, and in in the you know in the placebo group they got two hundred and seventy five. So yeah, if you look at that, you go yeah maybe the uh, it look it, 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 yeah it's just it's just crazy you look at this and this is just one example and i found this and i'm not even a fucking doctor this is just i looked at this and you know i know i know a little bit about statistics and kind of look at this and stuff and go hmm that looks like bullshit um now big steaming heaping piles exactly so um now before we get to intermission because we do so i actually need to that's something i need to make i need to make sure we have here as we're as we're uh, as we're getting as we're getting close to this um so before we get to the intermission i want to i want to play a few more clips that drive home just how compromised our entire system is and, and 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 um, you, know, the, we, you know, we're talking about doctors. We're talking about pharma. We're talking about um, you know the the media, the government. It, it, it's just it's just kind of uh, um, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of a thing. And, and yeah, so we're so um, so Dr. Maholter was talking with uh, somebody with a, with a with a like the chairman of the British Medical Association, and even they don't realize just how uh, how much money the regulators get from big pharma. They wouldn't have approved it if it was going to cause harm, right? BMJ investigation, okay, from FDA to the MHRA, this is our regulator in the UK, our drug regulators for hire, and what they basically found, and again, this is quite extraordinary, the FDA gets 65% of its funding from the drug industry. The MHRA in our country gets 86% of its funding from the drug industry. The chair of the BMA at a talk I gave before I'd published my findings where I started talking a little bit about the vaccine, about medicine being corrupted by pharma, he was gobsmacked. He did not believe in this talk that I gave. He was sitting there. He didn't even know that the medical regulator in our country gets most of its funding from pharma. He couldn't believe it. Yeah, and it's it's no shock to us. It's, it's it's kind of funny that our that maybe our regulators aren't quite as bought in, maybe. But I don't know when you when you again you look at the the entire system. There's there's a lot of fuckery going on there, and uh, yeah, and again, you know, he did, um, you know, and again, he did a he did a much uh, did a bit more of a, a more rigorous reanalysis of Pfizer's original trial data, and yeah, you know, the, the evidence is right there if you just look for it. Yep. So reanalysis of Pfizer and Moderna's trials 
by some very eminent doctors, eminence of integrity, not people who are funded by industry, Robert Kaplan from Stanford, Peter Doshi, associate editor of the BMJ, Joseph Freeman, who I've spoken to, lead author, ER researcher in New York. What they were able to do is go back to the original gold standard trials to find out what the serious adverse events were. And what they found is shocking. This has ultimately now been published in the journal Vaccine. This is peer-reviewed in the highest impact vaccine journal in the world. They found the original trial that led to the approval by the regulator of the vaccine that mandates the coercion. The original trial found one was more likely to suffer a serious adverse event hospitalization, disability, life-changing event that one was to be hospitalized with COVID during the original Wuhan strain. What that means in effect is that the vaccine at the very beginning was likely to cause more harm than good and should never have been approved in the first place. It should never have been approved for anybody. And that rate of adverse events is at least one in 800. Yes, I, you know you fucked up. Yep, and they still won't admit it. Yep, that's right. Uh, it's uh, but yeah, it's too profitable. Um, yeah, and well, if, what have if we've learned nothing else from the Podfather and JCD? Follow the money. Yeah, I, I, learned, I learned that from Rush Limbaugh back in the nineties. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, but oh, excuse me. Um, First time I ever heard it because yeah. I didn't listen to that bloated warthog. Yeah, there was no agenda. Yeah, well, he, you know, he, it's yeah, because he tur- he definitely became much more of a bloated warthog over time. But uh, um, in the early days, he was not so terrible. But anyway, um, the uh, but what's interesting is so um, you know they so they've pulled va- they pull vaccines you know they've pulled vaccines over the years uh, for for you know with with adverse effects and it turns out if you look at the adverse effects of of, of the COVID vaccines and the, and the vaccines they pulled uh, yeah something don't look right or don't, something don't hear sound right. When you look at other vaccines, you're talking about serious adverse events of about one and a rate of one to two per million people. With this, we're talking a rate of 1,250, 1,250 at least per million. In terms of pulling vaccines historically, 1976, the swine flu vaccine was suspended because it was found to cause Guillain-Barre syndrome, a debilitating neurological condition, in one in 100,000 people. The rotavirus vaccine was pulled in 1999 because it caused a form of bowel obstruction in one in 10,000 people. We're talking serious adverse event rates of at least one in 800. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. There's nobody should be taking this. Yeah. Well, I said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nobody should be taking this. Yeah. So, um, speaking of drugs that you shouldn't take, uh, we will on the on the in the uh, second half, uh, we will we will talk about another drug that you shouldn't take. Uh, that, uh, that and uh, we'll deconstruct some of the media coverage around it, and and, uh, we, and we'll have a few more. Uh, yeah, we'll have a few more clips to play with all that. Um, it's gonna get juicy. It's gonna get juicy. So, um, yeah. So this is, um, you know, here we go. The, and, and we, we now we don't we do not have a cavalcade of stupidity this week. I'm no, not- because Sir Rev Cybertrucker is out there. Do when the universe's work, driving that big old truck, making sure people got food. Yeah. So get it, Sir Rev. We love you, bro. Yeah. No worries about that cavalcade situation because we got you. Yeah, exactly. So uh, no worries about that. We're, we'll have some uh, crazy tunes to play after the show in the, in, the, in Studio 33. But uh, um, so we're, we are in our toast and jam segment. And we uh, are. so rideshare has been interesting this week. What do you got? Uh, it's been a little interesting. 
Oh, let's see. So, Tuesday... Oh, I'm sorry. Monday, actually, I had a test in my sadistics class. Yeah. So, I did not have class... Or, I'm sorry, I had the test Wednesday, which meant I didn't have class on Monday. So, that gave me the evening to work because once I get out of my math class at roughly like, I don't know, two o'clock or whatever it is, I I was free to go work until late. And I was like, hell yeah. So nothing really exciting for that. Ended up, (laughs) I was going to do one of my homework assignments before going to work on Tuesday. And it took me four fucking hours. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, okay, that's not going to make it worth going to work and trying to make the money to recoup the fuel that it's going to cost me to get to Knoxville to work. And by the time I would get home, yeah, it just, it wasn't feasible. So long story short, I end up working my ass off Thursday and last night. Once again, getting home at like four o'clock in the morning. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. But anyway, in my travels and the fun times that were had, because it was an absolutely fun night. A lot of good energy in the ride. Decent tipping going on. Made made a decent amount. But one of the most valuable things that I got was a conversation with a rider about the vaccines. Now, he did not know anything about the show topic this week. We didn't even discuss the fact that Phone Boy and I did a show. So he just happened to be talking about when his mother was going through cancer treatment. That's why he had gotten the jab. And ever since he got it, he's had headaches that will not go away. And of course, doctors have no answers. They don't know what the fuck's going on. But uh, yeah, we know what's going on, pedal heads. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's just, uh, yeah, we, we talked about that. It's an interesting, yeah, the last couple of weeks, the, uh, uh, we have gotten uh, folks to weigh in. You know, on, we have, yeah, and it, and or they, you know, without without them realizing that they're weighing in on what we're doing. Um, <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, yeah. And in fact, um, let's see which of these things do I want to go to to next. Uh, so, um, yeah, we were we were laying in bed one night, and um, and I and it, we were. I don't remember what the circumstances were, but um, I, my mouth was my mouth was. We dry. were baked. Is what the circumstances were. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, because I mean, seriously, I mean, this is the this is what you got. This is what you got to do. And I'm trying to find it. I'm hit the button. Smoke weed every day. Yeah, you know, well, we got, you know, they had a great goddamn time. What yeah. can I say? I'm, I'm not apologizing. Yeah, exactly. But anyway, but uh, but yeah, we were. Uh, um, I had uh, I had sw- my my mouth was dried I, and I had swallowed. And what did you say to me? <laughs> I said you sound like Amy Goodman when you swallow. Yeah. <laughs> to which I got an immediate response of yeah, which which, which I said them fighting words. I I also believe I called you a whore. Yes, you did. (laughs) Yes. Which, of course, devolved into uncontrollable laughter. Yeah, exactly. And an immediate post on Naz of, 
for any producers. If you want to start an instant fight with your girlfriend or boyfriend, tell them that they sound like Amy Goodman when they swallow. Yeah. I don't think anyone actually gave any attention to the post, but it gave me a smile, and that's yes, all that matters. Well, it gave, it gave me a smile, too. So yeah, was, I, I was, It is a low blow, um, yeah. gummy nerds. It, it absolutely is. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I said, you know, if, if you're looking to... Uh, trigger your no agenda boyfriend or girlfriend. Tell them they sound like Amy Goodman when they swallow. There you it go. is definitely fighting words by all rights and responsibilities, but it also was funny. Yeah. So you so you want to you want to you want to talk a little bit more about how school is going for you? Um, school's not horrible. I actually <laughs> the sadistics class actually I managed an eighty six on. My exam and my overall grade is a fucking 93. Holy shit. Oh, my God. Where's that fucking applause drops, people? Yeah, hold on. We get it. Yeah, there you go. So Thank you. Thank you. Taking a bow. Uh, yeah, However, I do think my English professor was a tad bit bitchy in her feedback of my narrative but i'll let it go because i'm looking at the fact that if i can just pass these motherfucking classes i can get on to the good shit folks yeah well speaking of good shit i gotta play this clip Yeah. Well, we wish she was dead, or is that just me? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, just, I kind of wish the whole divorce thing would be over. Now, technically, I still got a couple more things to do, but the main thing that I was looking for was the actual divorce decree that says, hey, you're actually divorced. So that allows a lot of other things to take place, and so I've been kind of waiting for that for a while. Um, so, uh, ex-Mrs. Phone Boy? Fuck you! He's mine now, uh, bitch! Yeah, that's right. Well, she And she didn't like that name anyway. And- you know, and, and, you know, I don't know. I mean, this, this is, this is just, um, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's a lot of, it's a lot of things, but, uh, uh, but yes, it's a, but yeah, now everything that's got to be dealt with is pretty straightforward and I just have to wait for, uh, you know, and there, and there's no, uh, there, all the harms that come from delaying the stuff that needs to occur for the most part is all going to be on her. The stuff I need to do is at this point is more or less dependent on the, on the stuff that they need to do. So again, it's all kind of a, uh, you know, again, we 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 are in. Uh, you know, they're, they're, everything's pretty straightforward at this point. So I'm happy that that's over, and I don't have that wor- worry over my head. I know what I've got to do for the next few years. So, uh, you know, we'll let it we'll let it go. Um, and now- I'm going to make sure that his ass stays on task, so that we don't ever have to hear another correspondence from that fat sack of shit cunt. Yeah, I wish. Yeah, we didn't have time to pull that clip off of your. Oh shoot! I forgot about that. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe that's we'll do, okay. We'll do, we'll do that in the post show, maybe. Womp, but, womp. Yeah, womp womp. So my fault. Uh, some speaking of womp womp, uh, the last we forgot to mention last week it was it was our anniversary. Oops. Uh, yeah, we. Uh, well, sometimes you just kind of get busy sh- and shit like that. But yeah, you know exactly. It is what it is. Yeah, so you know, the, so the best the. the yeah. Do not mind that. Yeah. My phone's fucking having a stroke. Yeah, it's, right, it's, I'm not playing with things over here. Yeah, yeah, you're not playing. You're not playing with things. Uh, you know. Yeah, sure. Not. Um, so, but so yes, yeah, the Epic best. Fail the, on the, my yeah, part. The, yeah, the best. Yeah, so it is the best anniversary gift and the best Valentine's gift I've ever received from my ex. So uh, there you go. Um, yeah, so we're, we're that's we're, right. right. Um, now. Um, 
speaking of exes, uh, we will talk. I think uh, we'll we go to the to the to the bullet point that says "must be fucking nice." Uh, I, I wish, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I need. To, I actually going to find. I'm gonna see if I can find that clip. I've probably got. I probably got it somewhere, uh, but uh, I, I may. I may not have it. I don't know. We'll see. But uh, anyway, the, so once you tell your story about your uh, that from your, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> from from your ex. Yeah. Well, I messaged him. Because I needed to find out some stuff about uh, some storage issues and whatnot. But anyways, so he tells me that, oh, he's not going to be available from like March 6th to the 16th. So, of course, you know me. I just have to poke the fucking bear. I just have that need. Yeah, well, and then, uh, yeah, I guess. uh, So I was like, oh, what you up to? And he's like, going on vacation. Like, well, yeah, I agree. Must be fucking nice. Yeah. I'm buried under a mountain of fucking debt because I'm trying to better my life. And he's just flitting off on a vacation. Of course, funded by his stepmother, no doubt, because his fat ass isn't going to do anything on fucking disability except for cry, whine, and bitch that he can't fucking afford to survive. Yeah. That's all I fucking heard, no matter how much I worked. Here's, I'm going to rant for a second because it really irritates the piss out of me that we were fucking struggling to try to make it. And yet, I would have to hear his mouth about working late. Can you imagine, y'all? And I'm sure that you can, some of you, and some of you may not. But the difference night and day between what it would have been like if I had to tell him that I was driving to Atlanta at like 11 o'clock at night. Whereas Phone Boy was just like, go get that money, girl. Yeah, it's, I have not been home before four o'clock in the morning for three weeks straight, and I have not heard one ounce of discouragement from this man. I am as quiet as I can be when I come home, and yet nine times out of ten, he either is awake because he just has this sixth sense like, is she home yet? Because he knows that when I get home, I'm going to slip into bed and snuggle up next to him. And he stalks me. And I absolutely support him stalking me. Yeah, well, and we were... Now, I was awake when you came home last night because I was working on the show content for this for you know because I getting putting together all the stuff that we got to talk about today. Uh, so uh, because and it's been a, it, honestly like for me it's been a real crazy because uh, because I'm going through I'm going through work uh, they're doing they're doing our annual conferences which are hybrid in nature uh, I'm dealing with stuff on the back end of it and and, and it's uh, so uh, but uh, one of the ch- one of the topics that's been covered uh, is something that I think we're going to end up doing a full. Show on at some point is a chat GPT, not because we want to dive into the the technical aspects of it, although I'm sure that's pretty interesting. But the this the the impact of that and, and the fact that it's you know that we're talking about it at cybersecurity conferences and and people want to you know people want to use it for various things and and I and I keep coming back to the idea that uh, you know first of all it, 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 um, I saw one of the one of the um, I, I, yeah, one one of the people that I follow, um, and, and, and I'm on their mailing list, and I get their I get their I get their messages. Is you know I saw I saw something about uh, you know Chat GPT basically uh, you know shaping collective consciousness and you know and, and stripping away our humanity, right? And and, right. It, and and I think and so from my perspective, I think that's that's where it starts becoming really kind of scary. Is yeah, 
we're, you know, we, 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 you know, it's bad enough when I do customer disservice these days that I have to deal with, you know, the, the, these, uh, the skip logic chatbots that exist today, uh, as opposed to, you know, when it, when it becomes something that's chat GPT enabled, yeah, that's going to be even worse. And it's going to, it's, and, and yeah, we're, I'm just, I'm not real, you know, my personal opinion on it is that, yeah, it, 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 in the right, in the right hands, it's probably, uh, you know, it's, it's probably a good thing, but it's like any tool. It can be misused and it's going to be misused. And yeah, like I said, well, I'll, we'll uh, I don't want to, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it here, but I do want to mention that this is probably something we're going to cover on a future episode. Um, you know, again, talking because not because we're a tech show necessarily, but because I think it's because, uh, it's going to impact all of us. And I think uh, anything that sort of removes our humanity, uh, is not a great thing because we're all about health happiness and the pursuit of a higher consciousness and chat GPT. I'm not so sure it enables any of those three things. So, um, so we got to watch out for it. Um, the other thing we got to watch out for is, uh, yeah, the fact that, uh, you know, eggs are, the, the price of eggs is still too damn high. Uh, Way too high. Yeah, but uh, thankfully, our friends at Casey Farms uh, are, have not raised their prices, and so they're actually cheaper than the grocery store now, I think. Um, they really are. Yeah, and um, so I asked him, I said, because, you know, there's been this there's been this controversy about, um, you know, about the chickens not laying eggs and that kind of thing. And, and so there's really two, so there, so the, the stories about the feed, might there, there might be something to to that in a sense, but it's one factor, right? So because chickens and, and again, Phoenix has, has had chickens and taken care of chickens and she can and she and can. Uh, I hope it absolutely is biting my ex in the ass that he got rid of all my fucking chickens. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's yeah, that's what you get, I guess. Um but uh, so the anyway, I, so I asked him because I really I also noticed that he moved the uh, they moved the pens that they keep that, they, that the chicken because you know, they're out, they're outdoors. Right. And they, and they, you know, they roam around and that kind of thing. But they keep them kind of they keep them loosely penned in an area so that, uh, you know, for to, to feed them and that kind of thing. But they they also some of them tend to fly over the, you know, over the over the you know, the, the, the wire walls that they've got uh, set up. And right. but so they kind of they kind of you know, several of them have you know, sort of roam around a bit. But generally, I asked I asked him about the feed thing. He said, "Well, yeah, the, the, the Tractor Supply, they, which is one of the uh, one of the places, I guess, that that, that, that's, that's, that sells uh, farm supplies. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the main suppliers. You have Roll King, you have Tractor Supply, and then you have uh, the Co-op. Those are pretty much your three primary places that you would obtain chicken feed from, mostly. Yeah. So yeah, there's a, a combo ISO." <laughs> My fucking chickens, great, yeah. Um, but anyway, so what he what he said he said he said two things. He said, look, during the winter, uh, because it's colder and there's less daylight, the chickens just let naturally lay less eggs, right? And so you know, and in fact, I'd, I'd messaged him. Um, at the at the end of last week, I said, "Hey, you know, any chance I could pick up some eggs?" He said, "Well, we, we're, you know, we're the the chickens have been, you know, they, they we haven't had as many um, eggs. Well, you know, we'll message you when we've got some." I, I said, "Okay, you know." And so the, he messaged me on Monday and said, "Hey, we got eggs." I said, "All right." So I came out and I and this is when I asked him the question about the feed. He said, "Yeah, there's you know they they reduce the amount of protein in the feed. They need they need to have enough protein to be able to do it. And so yeah, if you're if you're only feeding your chickens feed, you know, that, especially that kind of feed, yeah, you might have issues with with you know there." might be some feed issues but but let's face it this is the time of year where chickens don't lay as many eggs so and uh, i was thinking about the fact and actually had posed the question to phone boy what if this is truly a conspiracy that because naturally they know that the chickens lay less eggs in the colder weather so it's the perfect time to fuck with the feed and reduce it even more which then creates a supply and demand 
situation where they can justify raising the price of eggs to $7 a fucking dozen and blame it on, oh, well, this happened and that happened when, yeah, it's uh, another government-created shit show, much like the Dust Bowl. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like... uh your opinion, man. Yeah, I think it is some, just my opinion, man, and I'm fine to admit that. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, and I think it's, but I mean, you're, I, I think there's something to it, though. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, again, we're, you know, if we're talking, if there, there's, there's doing a lot of things to try and manipulate things, but uh, yeah, I, like I said, I'm, I'm still getting my, my, my eggs. I, I used to eat a lot more eggs than I, than I do now. I, that, that's just because. Thank I, God, because we'd go fucking broke. Yeah, no, especially these, these days. Prices. Yeah, exactly. So I, I don't, yeah, so I don't go through eggs like I used to, but but I also, you know, I'm also getting higher quality eggs now. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's so, and especially when the when it's actually cheaper to go get them from the from our from our friends at uh, Casey Farms. Uh, yeah, and it's circular because we get the eggs from them. It doesn't cost us as much for eggs, and they're making a little bit of extra money to help keep their flock and yeah, their yeah, family going. Yeah. yeah, and Vox in the in the in the uh, in our chat room, if you're not. Uh, if you if you're not listening live uh, Saturdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, uh, yeah, you can uh, you can join us on Lotus Effect chat and type in uh, type in pound Lotus Effect if you're on zero node IRC and yeah uh, yeah there's yeah again it just seems to be something that's happening around here. Um, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of, it, it just, yeah, there's something fishy about it. But ultimately, yeah, this is, you know, we're, as we're, we're kind of getting to the point now where, like, we try to, we try to buy as little industrial food as possible because, um, yeah, the stuff that's coming out of the industry ain't so great. Uh, yeah. So, um, all right. Now I think we're going to get into our uh, refire topic today, uh, which is uh, what's your, what's your least favorite topic in school? And uh, we got a text message from Tigger. Uh, we did. Yeah. And she said, my least favorite subject in school way back in the stone age was all of the above yeah <laughs> i can relate yeah you can you can relate to that so i don't know anyone who actually loved anything i mean i liked a couple of classes but probably not for the right reasons yeah i i think i'm probably the the classes i didn't i i probably didn't enjoy well probably the history classes that i took um, um u.s history i took ap u.s history and i was that I, I didn't particularly like that teacher or the or the material because yeah and especially now that especially now that i'm older and i realize that they probably were lying to us for the most part about what actually going on yeah at least least favorite topic in school attendance yes i, I agree with that uh that is uh that is uh you know that 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 that's what it is but uh um yeah anyway we are but the, but yeah the the refire topic if you want to call in at 253-237-3321 is what's your least favorite uh uh topic in school uh you can call in and leave a message uh much like this caller did hello pedalheads it's fox i'm still down here in sweaty hot sticky houston um, but I'll be heading back to sweatier, hotter, stickier Mexico on Sunday. So I'll probably talk to you from there next time. So on to our topic of the day, which is what subject did I hate in school? I actually have always kind of liked school and learning and stuff. So really, I never hated any subjects, with the possible exception of and that, and only sometimes. And I'll explain why. It's because... Uh, any kind of, I, I have a dead eye. Well, it's essentially dead. I mean, it tracks and everything. So, I mean, it looks like it works, but it doesn't really work. So I have very poor depth perception, particularly when a ball is coming at my face at a high velocity. So, you know, things like basketball, baseball, softball, football, all that stuff, 
that's that's out. That sucks. Not good at it. So I hated that because I really sucked at it. Although, on the other hand, things like track and um, I, when I went to junior high, uh, they it was still the height of the aerobics craze in the early '80s, and so um, I we we had the Jane Fonda workout as in it, it, it was like one of the I don't know what you call it, but it, we had the so we had to, sorry, my smoking hot husband just walked in. He was talking on the phone at the same time, so I had to move. Anyway, I was the best at the aerobics workout in the whole class. Whenever we had to do long-distance running, I could run longer than anyone else, so that was cool. So I don't hate PE, I just hate balls. I mean, you know, take your balls and stuff them. Anyway, um... Yeah, other than that, I never hated a subject. I did hate a couple of teachers, but that's a whole different subject for another episode. Y'all have a great uh, have a great podcast, and I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much, Fox. But I have to admit something. Somewhere in there, I swear I heard, I'm sorry, I hate your balls, honey. I, yeah, I have the. I just hate balls. I wrote that down as a potential show title. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I also wrote down dead eye as a potential show title. But mm-hmm. um, so, um, so yeah, I think. And then let's see what we I get. actually did not mind gym class when I was in school, especially because in our high school we had a segment where we did archery, and that just happened to be something that I was a fan of in my off time and I was pretty damn good at it still am and I have my own compound bow and all of the accessories that go along with it including an arm guard and a finger guard that is deer skin lined yes for all you PETA motherfuckers eat a bag and suck my ass so that was probably one of the I mean I, I dug science I hated math which is ironic considering what I'm currently in school for, having to power my way through it. But again, want to give myself a little woohoo because I'm keeping my head above the water. Yeah, and I'm kind of proud of myself. I've figured out a strategy to be able to pay my bills and still succeed in going to school so that I can ultimately be somebody in something yeah, exactly. that I can be proud of. Yeah, well, you know, this this next caller uh, wants is uh, is definitely something, and uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna play it. Happy Mary Catify, or I don't know why I was going with that. Anyway, it's also happy, uh, happy electrifying day or something like that, or electricity day or something. I don't know. Anyway, um, yeah. Oh, I was going to say Catterday. That's what I was going to say. Not Saturday. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Class I probably hated the most in school. Uh, I could actually go with geometry on this one. I remember doing geometry in high school and. Like, the beginning's cool, you know, stuff that makes sense, figuring out the areas of stuff and, you know, not just the simple uh, rectangle square rooms and and whatnot and uh, figure out the triangles and all that jazz and, and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, then you start getting into the other stuff, and it was the proofs, and you start getting into, oh, using proof, you know, whatever it was, you know, 37 or 102, and just trying to keep track of that stuff was, my brain did not do well with it. So, anyway, yeah. So, that's it. Love you guys. Have a wonderful day. That Anders. Kick-off! Kick-off! Oh, by the way, uh, the potential show title that came from that transcript, Mary Jennifer. 
Oh, I love it. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, very appropriate given uh, you know many things. It's uh, you know it's a uh, you know like marijuana kind of you know kind of a. Uh huh. That wasn't where my head went actually. That's, that's where okay. mine. That's where mine went. <laughs> but, no, no, no. I want to tell this story. So we wanted to tell my mom that phone boy was finally free because you know everyone in my life who means anything to me has been following along with what was going on in his divorce and everything i mean not the intricate details but the basic you know the same stuff that any any producer could see on any given day depending on the shit shenanigans that his ex would pull or mine but nonetheless so we call up and have a three-way call with my mom to tell her that phone boy is finally free he's 100 percent on mine i'm so happy and you know in in five years little less than now he will fully be free no longer having to pay that bitch's extortion and yeah etc 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 so my mother actually said to him so when are you gonna propose what i'm like oh my god mom so inappropriate Hella inappropriate. What the fuck are you thinking? Oh, my. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, no. How about you don't? I'm like, seriously, Mom, it's all good. What I have right now, I'm completely elated with. When the time is right, if the time is right, that's between me and him. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, actually, geometry was one of my favorite classes. Um, I actually took it in college too. It was a little bit of a little bit of a different thing in college, but it had some computer science implications, uh, error correcting mm-hmm. codes, or a thing. Um, which back in the nineties were probably a little bit more. You, know, you, you had to, you had to actually throw extra bits out there so that uh, when because transmission was uh, not always uh, reliable, and so you'd have an extra bit to to uh, account for uh, transmission errors. Right. You'd say or, you know, extra bits, I should say. And it was, so that that had its a uh, basis in geometry apparently who knew um amazing so uh yeah um so i t- so we've got um there we have a couple more voicemails here um, Yay! Yeah, i know we're, we're getting so yeah yeah one more had come in uh yeah but this is uh, this is what we got here for the next one um not a damn thing not a damn thing apparently uh, that's a that's a thing. It says transcription not available. It looks like uh, the the voicemail is not available, and it's not a mute button issue this time. Oh Pre- man! All right, so let's play. Um, so let's do this. I didn't really have a favorite subject in school, but my teachers always seemed to think I liked uh, astronomy because I said all I ever did was take up space. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, and somehow we got two more voicemails. This is the, all right. So we got we got a couple of long ones there. Yeah, so keep them coming in. Two five three two three seven three three two one. And uh, yeah, um, yeah, the one that the one that was blank, I think, came from your mom. So you might want to. Oh, poor mom. Uh, I know. So mom, so, if you're listening, if if that was your voicemail. Um, try again. You can do it. I believe in you. All right. Well, th- this next Have caller. Have to help you. Yeah, this uh, this next caller definitely knows how to do it. Worst class, probably attendance, just because I never really learned that much from people lecturing at me. I always nodded off. I was usually just reading the book ahead. Most of what I learned in school was when I cut class, went to the library and read on my own. Learned a ton that way and also got a discipline record. But uh, if I had to pick one class, it'd be gym. 
and not for the reasons that Phoenix already said. She Archery, oh my God, you had an awesome gym teacher. My teacher, uh, the spring of 91 was particularly wet, and they kept trying to use the springtime as uh, outdoor activities. And every single time, every day, every gym class, it would rain, and they'd be like, oh, the field's still flooded, we can't go out and do this. And the gym teacher, the lazy motherfucker that he was, decided to just unlock the giant closet of basketballs and put a bunch of basketballs out there and say, play for the rest of the period. Well, I wasn't in any of the in clicks. I was actually hanging out with nerds back then. And uh, nobody played basketball. Nobody wanted to play basketball with me. And also, I was kind of a jerk, and I didn't get invited to any of this. So I'd just sit by the side and read. And then I got in trouble there because I wasn't being active. I'm like, I'm not being active because you just invited a click game for all the popular people to associate it. Or what, and now you're telling me that I have to butt into one of these groups. That, anyway, Jim. Did it actually? Did it actually stop? Wow! It? Did Bemrose actually go so long that he has to call in for number two? No, no, no. That was he. He he, he stopped it. He stopped it. It stopped in a minute thirty. So I, I'm trying to read it. The transcript came. I was, I was, the, the transcript for some reason isn't showing up in Google Voice. So I'm looking at the email to see what the transcript was uh, to see if there's any uh, potential show titles. Although the, probably at tenants, which is kind of an you know, at, or T E N A N T S. You know. Oh, got it. Um, it's a possibility, uh, you know. Particular, yeah. The spring and yeah, particularly wet. You know, there's that's, you know, that that's a possibility, of course. Uh, you know that yeah. Uh, I I don't I don't uh, I don't envy. Uh, yeah, I, I I didn't live in the Pacific Northwest during the uh, dur- during uh, the time that I was in. Uh, well, I was in school at all, so I didn't have to worry about uh, the, the 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 terrible weather outside. Although uh, the high school I went to, that sometimes you'd get some you'd get some weather, but it was mostly in the winter, not in the in the uh, uh, you know in the uh, in the in the spring or the summer. It was very windy though. It's, there's a, there's a reason the school's uh, uh, mascot is uh, is is the Kamakani, which is actually which is actually wind, I think. Yes, because for everyone who doesn't know, Mr. Phone Boy, Big Pants over here, went to high school in Hawaii. Fuck you too. Yeah. Yeah, I did that. Yeah. Well, hey, you know. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I don't know why you're upset with me. I'm just pointing out the obvious, dude. Yeah. I was hanging out with the nerds back then. Yeah. Ner- yeah. Nobody played basketball. Yeah. Nobody wanted to play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know I wasn't good at it. Oh, we- you're kidding. You hung out with nerds? Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Yeah, whatever. But uh, um, you know, either way. But okay, it looks like uh, we've got, okay. We got two more voicemails here. Let's let's, see, let's see the next one. Uh, let's see. We're here. I think uh, I think we like this one. Hello, everybody. This is Nam in the chat. My least favorite subject in school came during college when I took an ethics class in which we discussed what gives a chair chairness. These topics always seemed mundane. Boring and unnecessary to me, as what gives a chair chairness is irrelevant. If you can sit in the chair and it holds your weight, it's a chair. Stop thinking about it. Just sit down. That's why I hated ethics. Have a good one, y'all. Thank you so much, Nam. Yeah. Appreciate that yeah. input. Uh, yeah, sure. chair, yeah, chairness is a potential show title. Everyone, y'all, kind of is kind of how it uh, is how that how that uh, is and it came the last uh, came the last uh, words of it. And uh, it looks like a chairman of the board. That's a that's a that's that's a good that's a good one for, uh, of a of a. Title. Reminds me of a carrot top movie. 
Yeah, Just exactly. Saying. I'm a geek. Okay, so uh, we got we we. Uh, it looks like your mom called back in. Uh, so uh, let's see. So here we go. Hi guys. Uh being as I didn't come across the first time, I will try this again. My least favorite class was biology, and Wookie says hers was too, because we couldn't stand the dissecting of a frog. Just thought I'd let you know. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> oh, I can't disagree with her. I can still smell yeah, we, the yeah, formaldehyde. We, yeah, I think I did it with a frog. I think I did it with a frog. I think I did it. Might have done it with a pig too. I can't remember. But uh, dude, that's called bestiality. What the fuck is wrong with yeah. you? Yeah, uh, yeah. What he says, hers. <laughs> breaking that's the what balls breaking the balls. Yeah, I know. And so anyway. what he says, hers was. Yeah, I don't know if that's great, but anyway, that's a, that's a good one. And so we got to. Oh wow! Hey, my son has arrived. Yeah, I see that. All right, so. Um, but I think we are out of the toast and jam segment. Uh, if you, although if you do call in during the next, uh, you know, while we're still uh, rattling on here, uh, then uh, you, you can give us a call at two five three two three seven three three two one and tell us. And actually, my son weighed in in the chat saying his least favorite subject was math, and I can remember. So I'll I'll tell a little story about Sir Payne there in the chat. I can remember doing homework with him while I was driving a truck. I would take an erasable marker and write on the windshield as I was driving to help him with his math homework. Well, there you go. Now, now, yeah, and, uh, helping you with yours now. <laughs> oh my God, you are! And there has been—we just started touching on algebra, and I just my brain fell out and flopped on the floor. I, I went tits up. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Yeah. Well, of course, I had the same reaction when we started doing this statistics shit and everything else. And by the end of it, when I heard the first clip that started off this whole show today, I was immediately able to call bullshit and be like what oh yeah and so all right so all right so now i think we're going to get into the second half of the show now uh we are we're, i think we're doing good on time here so uh we are yeah uh so now we're going to turn our attention to a different drug that goes by the generic name of semaglutide now we're going to deconstruct this piece by abc news that starts off well something like this it's the prescription with that catchy tune oh 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 on the market since 2017, the FDA-approved drug for managing type 2 diabetes is soaring to newfound fame as word spreads over one particular side effect, potential weight loss. Its active component, semaglutide, has also been FDA-approved for treating obesity under a different dosage and brand name, Wigovi. Yeah, so... You know, you, we obviously know because we because we're all no agenda listeners that this that this seven minute news piece, by the way, and we're not playing the entire thing, although I've taken a bunch of clips from it. Um, but uh, yeah, this is basically a native ad for uh, for the for these drugs, of course. Of course it uh, is. Yeah. And um, you know that now the now of course the uh, the you know so the the piece continues to to tout the weight uh, weight loss benefits of this of this quote unquote wonder drug, which you know well, is is it so wonderful? It's here. On TikTok, videos with the hashtag Ozempic have received at least 382 million views. Users like Alyssa Clayton documenting her journey, praising the drug's results. I wanted something that was non-invasive. Being pre-diabetic, that's scary for me. I mean, if I'm 
60 pounds lighter now than I was a year ago. I I feel like that has increased the quality of my life and hopefully the length of my life. While there's been speculation of celebrities who are neither obese nor have type 2 diabetes using the drug as a quick way to shed a few pesky pounds, for some, even those who don't have diabetes, the results may be life-changing. Yeah, and of course they go on and play more more clips, uh, you know, they, they, from you know from other people that they've interviewed. They say this stuff's the greatest thing since sliced bread. Lost a bunch of weight. Yeah, there's lots of ways to lose weight without having to without having to without take, involving. Yeah, well, let's not, even, let's not even talk about what the what this drug costs. I didn't even look at that, but that's actually something we should have asked uh, when we were talking. With yes, that. I forgot to ask because she would have that info. Yeah, I was going to say. Well, then she does but come up later. Truly, this. yeah, you, yeah. Maybe you can it, you can just have seen. Yeah, message the whole her, fucking thing yeah. is obscene yeah you should message her in the back channel while we're going through this uh just to see we see what we got here but um so we finally get you know somewhere in a couple minutes into the piece we finally get into okay well what does this magic drug do when used alongside diet and exercise, Ozempic and Wegovy's active ingredient, semaglutide, encourages the pancreas to produce more insulin to better manage blood sugar and among its other benefits, like reducing cardiovascular disease risk. Semaglutide also decreases appetite and food cravings and increases the feeling of fullness after meals. Now, I also I decided to, to dig in a little bit and pull. And so I, I, I got the drug fact booklet and from the FDA, actually. But uh, so and this is what it says the drug actually does. So so semaglutide is a GLP-1 analog with 94 percent sequence homology to human GLP-1, which mean, what that means is that it's that it's very that it, you know, it's very similar to what the human body produces on its own. Now, semaglutide acts as a GLP-1 receptor antagonist that selectively binds to and activates the GLP-1 receptor, the target for native GLP. Now, the GLP-1 is a physiological hormone that has multiple actions on glucose mediated by the GLP-1 receptors. Now, the principal mechanism of protraction resulting in the long half-life of semaglutide is albumin binding, which results in decreased renal clearance and protection from metabolic degeneration. Furthermore, semaglutide is stabilized against degradation by the DPP-4 enzyme. Semaglutide reduces blood glucose through a mechanism where it stimulates insulin secretion and lowers glucagon sec- uh, secretion, both in glucose dependent, both in a glucose dependent matter. Thus, when blue- blood glucose is high, insulin secretion is stimulated and glucagon secretion is inhibited. The mechanism of blood glucose lowering also involves a minor delay in gastric entering in, in the early postprandial phase. Now. <clears throat> Now, what's what's interesting about this is that the drug, when it was when it was uh, when it was created initially, was actually a uh, you know again it's a diabetes drug, but uh, that doesn't stop provider that doesn't stop um, our, uh, our doctors from prescribing it off label, which is of course nothing new. And, when, and what that means is that the the drug is designed for a specific purpose, but uh, people prescribe it for other reasons. Now, um, I, I got I got some clips. So you know, and of course of course the drug companies yeah, they. they they kind of they kind of have to put out this message, uh, yeah, that they don't encourage that. In a statement to ABC News, Novo Nordisk, the company that sells Ozempic, says Novo Nordisk does not promote, suggest, or encourage off-label use of our medicines. We trust that healthcare providers are evaluating a patient's individual needs and determining which medicine is right for that particular patient. <clears throat> Bullshit. 
you know how long you get to spend with the doctor when you actually go see the doctor? And I mean, I'm talking about the doctor, not the, not the, not the amount of time that you're sitting in there waiting. You know, the, you got the, you know, the nurse practitioner coming in, maybe not the nurse practitioner, but you got a, you got a you know, nurse coming in to, you know, to check your blood pressure and all that kind of stuff. Uh, they, uh, you know, the amount of time you actually spend with the actual doctor, it's less than eight minutes. Exactly. Do you think they're, do you think they're spending a lot of time, uh, you know, on, on your issues or not? No, no fucking way. they don't care. No. Um, but she, and you know where the doctors do get their information from? Uh, well, the same place you get your information from. What many members of the public don't fully appreciate, and this is a sad indictment on the medical profession in many ways, is many doctors get their understanding of the benefit of a new drug from the mainstream media. When I spoke to the chair of the BMA, when I was helping to try and get the NHS vaccine mandate overturned, I spent two hours with, with, on a conversation with him and explaining what I'd found with the vaccine. And he said to me, Asim, of all the people I've spoken to in health policy, I don't think anybody has critically appraised the data on vaccine as well as you have. He said, most of my colleagues are getting that, and these are people going on TV, influencing policy, most of my colleagues are getting their information on the vaccine from the BBC. Rochelle Walensky, the chair of the CDC, recently admitted that her optimism from the vaccine came from a CNN news report. That CNN news report was a verbatim reproduction of Pfizer's press release. Yeah, and uh, yeah, as uh, as Kiwi Blade uh, says in the troll room, uh, yeah, who funds the mainstream media? Yeah, well, that's that's pretty obvious. And in fact, uh, yeah, you know yeah, how how many ads for the Super Bowl? Here's here's a game to play, pedalheads. Whoever's going to watch the Super Bowl when Mahomes kicks the shit out of hurts but anyway yeah, the, fucking the, the, cheat goals. yeah cheat goals yeah let's not even go there yeah, them. uh yeah so but, uh yeah take a count take a shot if you're partying every time you hear the words brought to you by pfizer yeah i wish i was during the I, super bowl yeah exactly i'm sure it's gonna i'm sure or, or by any sort of drug company i think right uh, yeah mm, absolutely so, now of course they're they're hyping the drug and this is you know they're, they're, they're playing they're, they're using apple's playbook here right and uh you know and, and they're they're you know again this is a seven minute this is a seven minute native ad y'all i mean seriously this is this is what this is is a seven minute native ad for um for all of this and um you know it's seriously like yeah that it, it and and of course, so they're so they're they're saying, hey, we're out, we're having shortages, and you know who they they bring out they they bring out that new lady that Blow Jiden uh, hired to. For Have the, for, you fucking seen this spokeshole? Uh, this holy th- actual fuck. Yeah, well, let's, 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 yeah, um, but I just I just want to remember. I, I'm going to play a clip from that, that of, of something for, that we played or we played on a previous show. Just how crazy this lady says it. Here, yeah, what it's she relevant. Said, though. Yeah, it's relevant though. It's a brain disease. It is. It's a brain disease. And the brain tells us how much to eat and how much to store. Yeah, and it's yeah. It, it, well, and, I mean, there's some truth to that, but of course, it, it's very nuanced. It's more a lot more nuanced. It's because well, the, you're not the reason why your brain's telling you to eat is because ah, oh, you're not getting the nutrients you need, folks. The food the food is trying to kill you too. So, it is. Uh, but they're but anyway, they're use, but they're using this uh, this this uh, this shill right to uh, to promote the fact that they've got shortages and you know then wow 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 we got shortages. Dr. Fatima Stanford, an obesity medication physician, says the drugs are so popular, there is a shortage. If we look at a Camry, you can go and buy a black Camry or you buy a red Camry. That's the difference in you picking Ozempic over Wagovi. Guess what? They both kill you just the same they way. They do. So pretty much. And so, and, and she continues. I can hit the button. 
What we have found with a lot of these medications um, is that there has been a national shortage of this entire class of medications, particularly the once weekly injections. Um, and so there have been several instances where patients that meet criteria for Wagovi may be on Ozempic um, and then even vice versa. Novo Nordisk tells us the shortage has been, quote, due to the combination of incredible demand coupled with overall global supply constraints. Yeah, I should I should play this. <clears throat> Bullshit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, however, we do know that there is a shortage, especially locally in Tennessee here, because the just two of the medication providers to the major pharmacies, Walgreens, CVS, Kroger, Food City, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, whatever you know, grocery store is big enough to have a pharmacy, essentially. Cardinal and Peyton are having just a hell of a time trying to get these drugs in and get them to the drug stores so that these skinny bitches can stay skinny and eat all of those fat ass burgers and just kill themselves in later life. Yeah. Meanwhile, if you're taking this, if, if you're if you're if you're not a type two diabetic and you're taking this drug, shame on you. 39-year-old Jeremy Mitchell, a father of three from El Dorado, Kansas, says he's struggled to fill his prescription for Ozempic and was forced to switch to a daily pill form. I'm at risk every day that my blood sugars stay high for long-term damage to my body, long-term damage to my cells, to my eyesight, uh, to my blood vessels, uh, and diabetics struggle with fighting off infections. By the time my father died last month, he was double amputee, uh, and he'd had diabetes for about 12 years. So I do have some frustration when there's a shortage uh, for people that need that drug to treat a potentially chronic, deadly medical condition, not being able to get a hold of that. Yeah, because, you know, again, we're not going to stop shoving cheeseburgers and toxic smell and well, no, it's, well, cookout you, and any it, other what? fast food garbage. We're not going to stop consuming all the grains and all the sugar, sugar, sugar. Yeah, that's no. A, don't, yeah, don't blame the meat for what the grains and the, and the sugar and all the other shit you're eating is actually causing. Which okay, is- I wasn't harshing on the meat or the cheese or the veggies yeah i was going after that nasty ass bun i was going after all the deep fried bullshit not the stuff that's healthy not don't get me wrong don't you dare iso the fact that you think i'm saying that mcdonald's hamburgers are healthy nope never said it not gonna say it yeah that would be prudent at this juncture yeah, because we don't even know what kind of meat that actually is, if we're honest. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. Meanwhile, we're getting all kinds of uh, yeah. People are isoing stuff. Yeah, we do have isobot, and then you do a dollar sign ISO L in the uh, in the troll room live while we're recording. You'll uh, you might be able to get an actual uh, uh, might be getting an ISO of us. I need to go back through the that's the, true. The, the this stuff is, that- and we want to again thank Cotton Gin for this ISO toy that loves to be used against us in our own 
troll room and we wouldn't have it any other way without that's right pellets. exactly so now um okay so i figured i should so okay i, I mean again i'm going to say this this is this is basically a seven minute native ad for these drugs and they spend a total so so they spend a grand total of seven seconds discussing side effects you don't say yeah which you know they they they, they kind of have to i mean i guess it's you know i guess it's by law they have to say i'll assume that, you know, a whole the, seven seconds holy shit do we have these medications time? are prescription only only. And while they can help many people, they still come with a risk of side effects that should be discussed with a physician. The most common are gastrointestinal, like nausea, vomiting, abdominal pain, and changes in bowel habits. Yeah. Yeah. Did anyone stop to think about the fact that's actually a side effect that would cause you to lose weight? So is this drug really what's causing you to lose weight because of the chemical in it or because you're shitting and pissing and barfing yeah until so, you're thin okay so let's okay so I, I before i play the next clip um you, you know let's so let, i actually i actually we actually went th- i actually pulled out the of the uh so i, I pulled the drug facts from uh for the for the uh, for ozempic right and, and and so and again i'll i think i'll have a, have a link to it in the show notes but um so i pulled up the i, I pulled up the table that talks about adverse reactions in placebo controlled trials in you know in, uh, in greater than five percent of ozempic treated patients with type 2 diabetes right uh, diabetes okay so diabetes diabetes so again we'll look at the we'll look at the numbers here so that so uh you know they've got they list uh, in the in the you know the, the the sort of the common adverse reactions they've got nausea vomiting diarrhea abdominal pain and constipation uh yeah there's a, there's like a th- there's there's more than uh you know, there's almost a 300 percent increase in the occurrence of nausea there is a, a more than uh a, you, know, a, you know more than double the occurrence of vomiting uh diarrhea is uh you know it's like four you know, it's like more than four x uh, you know, more, more. Um, you know, abdominal pain is, uh, you know, is, is more than, you know, you know, almost a hundred percent higher. Uh, constipation is, um, you know, again, like three times higher, you know, three or maybe 33, yeah, maybe 333%. I don't know. That's I, right. I haven't done the math on it, but, um, so, and by the way, the incurrent, the, the incidence of this, actually, they've also for like nausea, if you take it, because they have also got Ozempic with a, with a 0.5 milligram dose, and they've also got a one milligram dose. And in the milligram, one, one milligram dose, the incidence of pretty much all of these things is, uh, well, uh, for some reason, abdominal pain and constipation go down. I'm not sure what to make of that, but, uh, the diarrhea, but all the other stuff is, uh, is, is that much worse. Like not, so like, you know, nausea is, you know, is, is well, definitely if you more think than, about it. Okay. Yeah. The uh, the constipation went down because the diarrhea went up. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, because the incidence. Of, yeah, the diarrhea did go up. The so, um, yeah, but the nausea went up. It's like it's more than three x. It's it's kind of crazy. Right. So, um, yeah. So. You know, this this is what the paper. This is what the stuff says, right? You just just read the you know read the paperwork that they give you, and you know, just do a little bit of research. But unfortunately, um, the real pandemic is the following. Published in JAMA, um, looking at almost 2,000 stories, health, health stories reported in the United States, right, over a period of years between April 2006 and May 2013, to look at how reliable were those stories in terms of reflecting what the actual true data that they were talking about revealed. And what they found was 
looking at television and newspaper articles, he says the reviewers graded most stories unsatisfactory on five of ten review criteria, costs, benefits, harms, quality of the evidence, comparison of the new approach with alternatives, right? Now, why this is important is that if most members of the public and even doctors are being influenced by mainstream media, the mainstream media are not reporting accurately on these healthcare stories, again, you've got a pandemic of misinformation, haven't you? Oh yeah, and the, the, you know, I think we I think we know this. Again, we're uh, we're we're no we, as no agenda listeners. Yeah, we already know most of what comes out of the M5M's mouth is uh, compromised bullshit. You know? Absolutely, which is what CBS stands for: compromised bullshit. How about that? That is yeah. correct. Uh, the compromised broadcasting system is what I called it way back in like 2010 or something. So, um, but uh, uh, so. Now, what's interesting is that so okay, so they talked about only the common side effects. Meanwhile, there's a, in the, in, the, in this paperwork right there on page one in a big box, right? There's a it, it says that there's a warning about thyroid C cell tumors. It's not mentioned in the news report at all. Interesting about that. Now, I decided to read a little further, and I said, okay, so in mice and rats, semaglutide caused a dose dependent and treatment duration dependent increase in the incidence of thyroid C cell tumors, uh, adenomas and carcinoma. After a, after a lifetime exposure at clinically relevant plasma exposures. It is unknown whether Ozempic causes thyroid C-cell tumors, including m- m- medullary. Medullary, there we go. Yeah, it's gonna, the thyroid carcinoma in humans as, as the human relevance of semaglutide-induced rodent thyroid C-cell tumors has not been determined. Cases of MTC in patients treated with... Uh, Thyroglutide, another GLP-1 receptor antagonist, or agonist, have been reported in the post-marketing period. The data in these reports are insufficient to establish or exclude a causal relationship between MTC and GLP-1 receptor agonist use in humans. Ozempic is contraindicated in patients with personal or family history of MTC or in patients with multiple endocrine neoplasma syndrome type 2, it's called MEN2. Uh, counsel patients regarding the potential risk for MTC with Which, the use Which, by the of- way, that's a cancer. Yeah, um, yeah, um, but that doesn't surprise me. So yeah, routine monitoring, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So, um, you know, basically if, if you've got any of these issues, you need to make sure that you're not having any issues now. Now we talked to our, our pharmacy friend about this and, and she mentioned that folks that have thyroid issues commonly take two other drugs, uh, 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 Let's see, levo levothoxine. Yeah. Levoth- yeah. Th- th- yeah lev- or levothoxine. Sorry. Yeah. I'm probably butchering it. Yeah. And lisinopril hydrochlorothiazine. Yeah, exactly. Chlorothiazide. Yeah, Yeah, so the levothyroxine is a thyroid hormone in the literature for which includes a warning that it should not be used alone or along with other treatments to treat obesity or cause weight loss. Gee, I wonder why. Apparently that's a, you know, so if you're taking these drugs, yeah, it's one of those interactions you probably shouldn't take it with. Meanwhile, lisinopril hydrochlorothiazide is a class of medication called diuretics that is used to treat high blood pressure. They suggest a low salt and low fat diet is a lifestyle intervention to go with it, of course, but this medication comes with some serious side effects. Uh, swelling of the face, throat, tongue, lips, eyes, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, hold up, though. You yeah. skate over the fact swelling of the tongue, that could literally cut off your airway. Yes, it could. Uh, difficulty breathing or swallowing, that's said by the next yeah. one. So, Asphyxia. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, uh, other you know, signs of infection, basically, muscle pain, cramps, weakness, yellowing of the skin, weakness. Which is can- called jaundice, for yeah. all of those who are wondering. Yeah, weakness. Which can- is a serious condition, because it means your liver is fucked yeah exactly yeah weakness confusion seizures decrease in urination lightheadedness fainting chest pain rapid pounding slow or irregular heartbeat pain in big toe what the fuck is that about i know that i literally 
tagged as the fuck? Yes. That is the bizarrest side effect I think I've heard so yeah. far. Tingling in arms and legs, loss of muscle tone, weakness or heaviness in legs, cold gray skin. Oh, did uh, I mention? Human zombie anyone? Yeah. Did I mention that it's common for semaglutide to increase your heart rate slightly, which increases your blood pressure? You know, something you're probably already taking drugs to try and control. Like this is... It's all secular. Yeah, no kidding. It's it's much like when I looked at my... Uh, when I looked at the information on statins and I went to my doctor said, uh, yeah, you're... This, you're prescribing a drug that has as a side effect of it lists it as you get type 2 diabetes. I'm trying to reverse that. So I'm not taking a statin. You can take your statin. You just muted me, didn't you? Or I muted myself. I don't know. It would clipped. No, it clipped. Okay. It was clipping. That's what was going on because I saw it red and I'm like, wait a minute. Why is it doing that? So I apparently got a little, uh, got a little hyper there, but, um, now, what's interesting about all of this... You're, this you're is, passionate. Yeah, I'm passionate. So, yeah, so you did mention it's a cancer, right? Well, you know what tumor cells are, right? Well, they're cancerous. And what does cancer like? Well, sugar. What hormone in your body is high when your blood sugar is high? Well, insulin. And we're basically telling the body produce more of it with this drug. Does anyone see a problem here? I, I, think, it, I think I do. Um, so, in a two-year trial involving patients with type 2 diabetes and high cardiovascular risk, more events of diabetic retinopathy complications occurred in patients with Ozempic compared to placebo. The absolute risk... You know, they're t- okay, so I think we need to back up for a second. Yeah. Diabetic retinopathy affects your vision and ultimately will cause you to go blind as it progresses. Yeah. Uh, and so the absolute risk increase for diabetic retinopathy complications was larger among patients with a history of diabetic retinopathy at baseline than among patients without a known history of diabetic retinopathy. So, um now, if they were touting this as a benefit here instead of a risk, they'd say your risk of, card- with, of issues with diabetic retinopathy increased by 66%, which is a relative risk increase, or if you already have issues, 55%. So they're, they're not, they're, notice again, they're talking, you know, they're, they're in, the, in, the, in the literature, they're using absolute risks to t- they're abs- using uh, the absolute uh, you know or you know, or uh, yeah they're they yeah they're you know they talk about uh, uh, yeah I gotta, I gotta remember what the term is now because uh, yeah they're they're talking about absolute risk rather than relative risk and so it doesn't seem like it's that bad but when you but if you if you turn it around and use it and use it as a relative risk it, that makes it sound a lot worse doesn't it and you know so it's kind of interesting that they don't it's all uh, about the branding of course it is yeah so now even if I were still a type two diabetic which I'm not why would I take a drug that is known to make a condition that occurs as a result of a progression of the disease worse that's what it sounds like to me right um and let's face it what does it do for your diabetes and so i actually pulled out a, and, and so I, I got a couple tables uh that i pulled out and so uh, they talk about one of the one of the uh things that can occur with this with this drug because your, your body's producing more insulin that means it's going to lower your blood sugar well that you, you could also become hypoglycemic right or which basically means your blood sugar is below uh you know it, you know is, is lower than it should be right so um what they talk about in here is they say okay so they've got so they they, they do ozempic with a with you know 0.5 milligrams and one milligram doses and you know so there is and so in the placebo group there is no doc documented symptomatic uh um you know uh, you know issues with uh you know with hypoglycemia and this is and, and they and they're using as their as their criteria uh less than 70 milligrams a deciliter of uh, glucose um and so from the placebo group there was you know none of the participants and this is a, you know, the the participants is like 120 you know roughly 127 130 depends on the thing and the, and and you know in and in the case of the of the ozempic uh, things you 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 start seeing uh, uh it, you know there's a 3.8% uh you know or it, it, there's you know of of the of the test subjects got uh, hypoglycemic if they if they uh if they 
if they took it at one milligram and one point six percent, so that so they, the condition that didn't exist in the placebo group, now yeah, you got you got a risk of hypoglycemia. But now what's interesting is in the placebo group, there's a one point six percent of a uh, you know, of a severe. Uh, you know, a severe case of, uh, you know, of, 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 hypo, of hypoglycemia where, where the, uh, where it's under 56 milligrams per deciliter. And that's, you know, that can happen by the way, if you're fasting, right. And it's funny, Bemrose makes it, made a comment earlier in the troll room about, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the new diet craze will be, uh, there'll be not eating. Um, yeah, that's, I mean, they're, 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 it kind of already is a diet craze. It's called intermittent fasting, but that's a, but yeah, they might be forced because yeah, the food that's available just isn't worth eating. Uh, that, that's definitely for or sure. You can't afford it yeah exactly which okay now this now this gets now this is where we talk about diabetes we talk about diabetes and one of the ways they measure whether you have diabetes or not is what they call your a1c or hba1c is how it's is how it's uh, is how it's sometimes referenced and if and what that what that literally means is how what's the percentage of your blood cells that are glycated meaning they have sugar attached to them and the more blood red blood cells you have with sugar attached to them the worse your the worse your diabetes is and so um so they they show and they've, they've got a table in here and they they also they they they, they actually show it with, um, you know, they, they show it with uh, some other drug that, that I guess is, I guess is, a, is a, uh, you know, is an insulin or whatever. And so they say, okay, so the, 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 the people in the test group had, um, you know, they, they had at the beginning of the, at the beginning, they had a, they had an HbA1c of eight, which basically means, yeah, you're fucking diabetic, right? And it says, okay, after, after a year of treatment with the, uh, you know, with, with, with the Ozempic, yeah, it reduces your, uh, it reduces your A1c down to six. 0.7 or 6.5 depending upon which group you're in guess what you're still diabetic at that you know you're not really that's not, you know you all you're doing is uh you know you're making you might if you can uh you know there's other ways to reduce your a1c that don't involve taking drugs y'all um what i have never understood and maybe it's just me please weigh in in the chat if you agree or disagree but why is it so many of these people who are diabetic who are told your blood sugar is too high. Why does that not in their mind click that, gee, maybe I need to stop intaking all this fucking sugar. Maybe I should care more about what's in the food I'm consuming. And maybe I should have a little more education about how starches turn into sugars, etc. But oh no, we can't give the real facts. We just send some bullshit trained dietitian up to talk to you about the fact that your fucking life's over and you're you're going to end up on insulin eventually. Yeah, and, and I think I, I would see if I can find this clip. But this is the uh, you know there was there's a clip from Doctor um, you know there, there's a clip from there's a clip from Doctor uh, what's what's his uh, uh, you know what, what's what's his name uh, um, Doctor Drew Pinsky right and 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 where where he said you know and I have it in the I have it as a um, and I had it as, as, as a what do you, I had it as a what do you call it, or the it was in the, it was in the the fat documentaries right. That from from Vinnie Tortorich and, and right yeah he I know, was I, talking about how much education did he get in all of his years in medical school and he was kind of you know comical about it you know counting like you know this many years of this this that oh none yeah and that's and it's true because I've talked to doctors at local hospitals around our area about nutrition and they know jack and shit too very little yeah they they don't get yeah well of course you realize that the entire medical system is is to prescribe pharma uh, oh yeah. yeah i mean you've got more than your fair share i mean you want to talk about a, yeah. a biased ratio yeah 
most of them are absolutely bought and paid for by big pharma. There is no doubt. Yeah, and I think I think I th- yeah I think uh, if I can if I if I've got the if I've actually got this clip here, I think I do um, because it is because it is the uh, because it is one of those things. It's uh, you know the, uh, yeah I like I like money. I wish I I wish I did, I wish I had actually had it um, in in this uh, in this uh, thing. I wish I had the I like I actually do have it somewhere. I just don't have it loaded in my uh, in my clip thing. So, um, but all right so. You know, one of the things that they say that this that the, the Ozempic and similar drugs do is it reduces cardiovascular events. Well, does it really do that? So, one of so I decided to dig into it a little bit, and so they used it. They they used a you know a, a you know a, a, a trial, of course, to determine that. And it says so. Uh, Sustain Six was a multi-center, multinational, placebo-controlled, double-blind cardiovascular outcomes trial. In this trial, 3,297 patients with inadequately controlled type 2 diabetes and atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease were randomized to Ozempic once weekly or a placebo for a minimum uh, observation time of two years. The trial compared the risk of major adverse cardiovascular uh, event between semaglutide and placebo when these were added to and used commonly uh, con- uh, with standard of care treatments for diabetes and cardiovascular disease. The primary endpoint, MACE, was the time to the first occurrence of a three-part composite outcome, which included cardiovascular death, non-fatal myocardial infarction, and non-fatal stroke. Now, um, so I've got so I've got the table here, and I decided to break it down because they what they do is they list the so in the table they they list the different conditions they list the number of you know, they, they you know they list the groups they list how many people in each group are uh, you know had that condition right so I'll, I'll so I'll read what I what I have written down here so with the placebo the risk of a composite of cardiovascular death non fatal myocardial, myocardial uh, infarction or the non fatal or a non fatal stroke um, about nine percent of people in the placebo group uh, with Ozempic that Redis got reduced to six point six percent for stroke. Okay, hold on, hold on, you, hold, you got it. You, you, oh, that's my fault. Yeah, my, can, me and my mute buttons. Yeah, you can, yeah, you can't blame me for that one. That's no, on that you. That was on me. That, that was on me. That was on you. So no, I just wanted to add the fact that for anyone who didn't know, a myocardial infarction is a heart attack. Yeah, that's that, that, that's yeah exactly. So um, for stroke specifically, the risk with placebo is about two point eight percent. With a with a Zempic, the risk is down to about one point eight percent. Now these are the absolute risks based on the testing of the people, right? So this is and, and actually uh, this is this might be a Worth highlighting something that we that you meant that we that you uh, they talked about in your statistics class the rule of large numbers right that's right so, yeah so the, as you as you get more so the bigger you, what you really want for these things is a bigger and bigger trial because as you get to the uh, with a bigger and bigger trial you theoretically will get closer to the real probability whatever it is right so with this with the small group it's it's sometimes you're not you're not going to see exactly what uh, the results are going to be so the, yeah so this this is a, this is a small group uh, relatively speaking but now Correct. now here's the thing though if you if if you want now, of course, if somebody if they if they talk about it, right? If they if they if they were to market this this aspect of it in the in the in the ads, right? They'd say, oh, you'll pr- you'll probably hear that it re- reduces your risk of a cardiovascular event by twenty six percent and or a stroke by thirty five percent, which sounds a whole lot better than the actual risk levels themselves, which are you know single digit, right? So, um, yeah, that's just that's just an example of the of the you know the, of the marketing, right? That they, that they're doing, and that's and that's something you you got to do here. But um, okay, now. Here's what. So finally, we're going to get to the. We're, we're getting to the end here. We've 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 uh, we actually did uh, we did pretty good on time here. Um, so now. Now you all know that the COVID nineteen eighty four vaccine misinformation was getting banned, right? And there's a, from and on multiple platforms. Well, yeah, Facebook. Uh, yeah, let me just play this clip. I've been suspended many times on Facebook in the last few months, and I was trying to figure out what's going on, who's really controlling the narrative. Facebook partnered with Merck 
to decide on medical information on their website. What? On their platform. Facebook and Merck have committed $40 million, half and half, to a multi-year initiative of establishing the Alliance for Advancing Health Online. Yeah, Merck. Ooh, brilliant. Right? Let's just partner with a psychopathic entity, right, that has been shown to commit fraud and kill people. Come on. Seriously? Yeah, Fox in the hen house, watching the hen house there, anybody? Yeah, exactly. And of course, you know, the, the, meanwhile, I mean, we all know that big pharma's and pretty evil, right? It's a, oh, it, completely. Yeah. And and actually, this is this is this is a, this is a scandal that he brought up, and I think it sort of it sort of lays out. This is this is a, this is uh, certainly happened in our lifetimes uh, with uh, with a, a drug called Vioxx, which uh, you may have heard about that doesn't exist anymore. And there's a good reason why. So Vioxx was a drug that was marketed and produced in 1999. It was thought to be better than ibuprofen as an anti-inflammatory because it caused less stomach problems. And ultimately, it was found that Merck, the company behind it, committed fraud, and it doubled the risk of heart attacks and caused the deaths of around 60,000 Americans, more than people that died in Vietnam, right? And when the litigation was going on, Merck were fined about a billion dollars, but again, they end up making probably a billion dollars even after all the fines and the marketing. They still made money. You know, I remember Joe Rogan saying on the show something like, you can make a billion dollars from lying, right? And he's, he's being actually true, right? What, he, what he's saying is accurate. But this is the most worrying part. When the litigation was going on and they got access to internal emails, the chief scientist of Merck, when the drug was being approved, wrote an email basically acknowledging the problem with the drug in terms of cardiovascular effects. And he said, essentially, it's a shame that the cardiovascular effect is there, but the drug will do well and we will do well. What do you call that kind of behavior? Any, any, what, what, how would you describe that? What do you think about that? Psychopathic. Yeah. Completely uh, yeah, psychopathic. Exa- yeah. And, uh, you know, and, you know, just to wrap it up, uh, you know, as far as clips go, yeah, um, meets the DSM criteria. It does. I'm not being alarmist here. <laughs> I'm actually not being alarmist here. I'm being absolutely evidence-based. The preeminent expert in his field, the chap behind the original international DSM criteria for psychopathy, Dr. Robert Hare, forensic psychologist, in the documentary in the book The Corporation written by Joel Bacan. He actually describes Big Pharma, and he says that the way that they operate actually as an entity, not by the people within, right, you can debate that, but the actual entity, the legal entity that is a big corporation, in this case Big Pharma, functions like a psychopath. Okay, callous unconcern for the feelings of others, incapacity to maintain enduring relationships, reckless disregard for the safety of others, deceitfulness, repeated lying and conning others for profit, incapacity to experience guilt. Yeah, that sounds like big pharma, right? Uh, so that should be the web, the Merriam-Webster's textbook dictionary. Yeah, pretty much definition. Uh, so, you know, what do we what do we recommend, right? And this is this because and, and we've been kind of working on this with your with your mom, uh, you know, to to a degree is we have. Yeah, and the answer is, uh, you know, read your read your labels, guys. Uh, you know, read the you know so that that drug information that the pharmacist gives you, yeah, actually read it. And if you don't understand something, ask questions, right? Um, before taking any drug, make sure you actually read the, the information carefully. And understand what it's in. And if you don't, you know, there's because you find some stuff in there that you kind of go, uh, why am I taking this? And you just have to, again, you, the information is there. We just ignore it. And, you know, the people that are, that we, that we rely on to tell us what's what are, are telling us a bunch of bullshit. Uh, so, you know, basically, you know, and, and, and these, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pretend I'm a statistical genius by any stretch of the imagination, but I can look at this stuff, just the stuff, you know, just, just the words and just kind of go, yeah, this drug that does. Does this and has these side effects? I'm not sure I want 
any of this stuff for the for for what benefit do, the, do these drugs give you? And so, you know, and I'm not we're not saying that all farm is bad, but they're, they're certainly the, the, the pharmaceutical industry is, uh, you know, is definitely got its um got its challenges right as far as the things that you know there you know some of the stuff that it puts out or whatever but it's a you gotta you, you know ultimately they can't force you to put it in your body i mean well they tried to with with the covid vaccines but that's but ultimately you need to be proactive if you're if you're taking far you're taking any pharma understand why you're taking it and you know go read the studies and understand right you know and ask your doctor like i did with statins years ago why are you prescribing this because you know keep the, them accountable keep them accountable because i because i told them like you know i'm trying to reverse type 2 diabetes not taking a drug that, that, that where that's a side effect right so and you know i think with i think with your mom we were going through the you know we're going through the drugs i'm like yeah most of the you know i mean the breathing meds are one thing but the rest of it just like yeah none of this sounds really good and especially when yeah you start- and when and when she challenged her doctor for the nnt he gave her a total horseshit excuse about how you know oh that requires a bunch of studies and you know this that and the other thing it's like yeah dickhead they've already done the fucking studies the problem is you don't know the answer and you're a male egotistical prick bag who doesn't want to admit that he doesn't fucking know and that he's just gotten his ass handed to him by a fucking 68 year old lady yeah so i'm finding a new doctor for her because that fucking idiot is going to end up killing her yeah and so and this is so this is you know it, the, yeah i'd say just say no to big pharma if you can if you can uh but uh it's it, seriously yeah the, the, the drugs are just getting more and more expensive and, and they're not and it, it made me you know it, it actually made me think about something because they're you know we're talking about um yeah. how um, yeah. Sorry, I lost my place for just one moment. Yeah, uh, this is the, yeah. We're somebody's somebody's oh, yeah. Somebody's uh, yeah. So, somebody's uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> fuck you, phone boy. It's not because I'm stoned. I was looking to see if we had gotten the answer to the Ozempic cost question. Okay, got it. So you know, fuck you. Yeah. But anyways, the point is this. Okay, that it made me think about. You were we were saying how you need to read all the literature, know what's going on with these drugs. And when I went to get the tires for my car, you have to sign an agreement that says you understand this, that and the other thing. So of course everything's fucking electronic and I'm scrolling up because I'm reading the fucking thing. I kid you not, the kid behind the counter is like, Oh, is is the button not working? And I'm like, What do you mean? He's like, well, you you seem like you were having trouble, you know, signing it or whatever. And I'm like, no, I was fucking reading it. Nobody reads the goddamn shit anymore. Yeah. You, I mean, Rev Cybertrucker told a great story at one time about that he had read all the way through on, I don't know if it was a, a warranty or it was something. And in it literally said that if you're the first person to send a letter that says, you know, hey, I found this in the... Um, terms of service, yeah. Yeah, the terms of service, yeah. right. Uh, you'll get 50 bucks. And he literally was the first person to have ever found that in the terms of service for whatever it was he was doing. Yeah. And I that story stuck with me. And, you know, that and being with you, phone boy, yeah. has actually taught me to, yeah, read 
shit before you put your signature on it because you don't know you could end up being signing yourself into human slavery or some shit. Yeah, well, or yeah. Anyway, there, yeah. I just believe me, I got real good at reading stuff during this during this freaking divorce. Oh, I mean. no doubt. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, I think we've, but I think we've, uh, we've got to the end of this. I'm so fucking over this. Yeah, I'm so fucking me over too. a lot of things. Yeah. So, uh, so I guess we end this something like, like this. this. Jordan fades back. Swoosh, and that's the game. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you, I'm out! You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.